This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to another edition of uh, 50 Years in Chelsea. And uh, my God, for the last 13 weeks, 12 weeks, we have kind of been through the ringer of the roller coaster and the enigma wrapped around an enigma that is Chelsea Football Club. But, but dear listener, I can guarantee you that tonight things are on the up. Things are getting better. It's 1983-84 season tonight. And that's only one of the reasons why it's getting better. But we've got some fantastic people on the show tonight to talk about the 83-84 season. Starting, of course, with uh, the right honourable Mr Jonathan Kidd. Absolutely gorgeous to be on the show. <laughs> I can't follow that at all. Um, <laughs> so I won't. Um, we've also got uh, the fantastic Mr Clayton Beerman. Hello. How are you doing? I'm all right, mate. All right. Always good to see you, of course. And uh, last, but by very much no means least, we've got the man. I mean, you know, what this man doesn't know about the 80s uh, is just not worth knowing about. Uh, he, of course, wrote the seminal book on this on this season, as well as actually all the seasons in the 80s, because it is, of course, Celery representing Chelsea in the 80s. Uh, Mr. Kelvin Barker, how lovely to have you back on the show, mate. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be emotional. Yeah, too right, uh, and absolutely, and, and far more enjoyable than the last a uh, few you know, few weeks. That's for sure. <laughs> How I mean, only a complete masochist like Mark Meehan took any joy from talking about the last couple of weeks. But there you go. Um, now to celebrate the fact that it is eighty three, eighty four tonight. Of course, you won't be able to see this at home because we only do this as audio. But I am. Uh, sporting, of course, my uh, cock sportif 1983-84 shirt, but also, more importantly, I'm sporting my 1983-84 uh, haircut, uh, mainly thanks to... I shall show you, in case you don't believe me. Look, see, it's growing. Mullet boy. And I, I looked at some of the footage on YouTube today and the players are thinking, oh, I recognise that haircut. Oh, it's the one I've got, so there you go. Uh, but sadly, you'll never see it at home, which is probably a good thing. Right. So, um, you know, we left off last year with uh, or last week talking about the 82-83 season with 
Um, we were trying to argue with Mark as to whether, in fact, it was the worst season in Chelsea's history. I mean, it certainly was statistically, as we we just escaped relegation to Division Three. But we did smell, we smelt some hope in the air, uh, J.K. Didn't we? We did. I think we we established that 1980 was probably worse. I think so. I think, I I think, think we so. came to that conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. We we. Um, uh, we knew at the beginning that things were going to improve because of the, uh, um, I mean, <coughs> weirdly, because of the the, pos- the positive nature of the chairman and um, for what he ultimately evolved into. <coughs> Lots of people weren't madly in love with him, but um, Ken Bates for buying buying the team, buying the, the whole place for a quid, um, made some really um, terrific appointments and... Um, the idea of having a, a, a transfer spree at the beginning of this year well, was something we'd we'd never ever envisaged. Indeed, indeed. I mean, ever. good old good old Father Christmas lookalike uh, did actually bear some gifts and uh, to the tune of five hundred grand. We'll talk about who came in in a minute, but first of all, uh, Clayton uh, out went Bob Isles, Phil Driver, Mickey Nutton, Brian Robson. No, not that one. Gary Chivers. Alan Mays, hooray! Uh, Gary Locke, Kevin Hales, Mickey Fillery, interestingly enough. Now, they they all went on a free, uh, Clayton, apart from Mickey Fillery. And it, you, some might say we stitched up QPR to the tune of 150 grand, 55 grand. Others may say we didn't. But, uh, what, did, what I mean, you know, what's your kind of parting kind of uh, shot, <laughs> Freudian slip, parting words on those that have just, <laughs> those that have just been got rid of? I, I I was looking at the list when you when you sent it round, and I just went, mm, really. I mean, it was great because Bates basically said that you know most people say that you can't sack a team and keep a manager, uh, but that's what I'm going to do, and he did, yeah. and he basically got rid of all the deadwood. Um, I mean, Mickey Fillery wasn't deadwood. Mickey Fillery was a supremely talented footballer. He was um, be wonderful, so, but it was it was chalk and cheese, wasn't it? Yeah, he'd, absolutely. He'd be wonderful. Um, you think great, and he just he'd fart about, and you just think, what what's happening? Well, he probably looked around him and thought, mm, why bother? But um, listen, I mean, it, it it was a seminal season, certainly in in sort of following Chelsea. It was uh, after the dross had, had gone before. I mean, there isn't really anybody there that you. I mean, Brian Robson did a. A, a little job for us. He, he wasn't too bad, but it wasn't. There were there were no tears shed, none, especially none at all. when um, you basically talk us through who came in. Well, let's. I, let's, let's just sorry, say yeah, that, go on, Kelv. Yeah, go for it, mate. I think there might have been some tears shed by Ken Bates with Fillery because um, he was sold for 155k at Tribunal about two weeks after QPR had offered us 175k for him. Yeah. <laughs> I can I can see that Ken would have been seriously displeased with that one. Yeah. Now here's here's the thing, Kelv. I I think Clayton makes a really good point there. That it's so. Uh, I mean, you know, it's funny actually the weird parallels that we have now because there there are strong arguments that Chelsea, you know, over this summer could get rid of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, possibly nine players if you look at some of the the rub- rubbish that we've got on our books. Um, and you know, never know. Maybe Roman will splash the cash and do what Batesy did. But five hundred k, I mean, that was a decent amount of money in these those days. But what was so fascinating about this was was who John Neal brought in, wasn't it? Because you know, we were talking last week in the midst of the awfulness of last season. You could see that John Neal was working it all out. Who who, who is gone 
and and you know what gaps we need to be filled and and, and he certainly did that didn't he he did I think another thing he was working out, um, and probably none of us on this call were particularly like this, but the, the, the truth was he was also working out that he needed a bit more Northern Grit in the team. Mm. Um, and that those that weren't putting in were the archetypal Southern Softies, you know? So he'd already started with Speedy and Brian Robson and Tony McAndrew. Um, and again, him and Ian McNeil went on their scouting primarily up north to, to bring these, these players in. But most of them were unknown. I mean, Eddie Nitveski, we, we did know, but he was a second division goalkeeper at Wrexham. Um, Kerry Dixon, people were talking about um, because of the amount of goals he was scoring, but in division three. But other than that, Joe McLaughlin, um, Pat Nevin, Nigel Spackman, they were unknowns. Yeah, absolutely. They were, weren't they? And I mean, the the, the money here, I mean, 55 grand for Eddie Neddy. Fifth, uh, 95 for Pat, uh, 100k for Joe McGoughan, who was actually quite sought after. I think, you know, he was on quite a lot of people's radars, some decent bigger mm. clubs. Nigel Spackman, 35 grand from Bournemouth. Uh, he's a Romsey lad, Hampshire boy, Spackers. Uh, Do you know the story? Yeah, go Do on, you know tell, me, tell me, tell me, tell me. So, um, Ken Bates had been at Wigan, and I think he was like joint owner and possibly vice chairman yeah. or something like yeah. that. But when he left there, he was owed money, um, and Wigan couldn't pay him it. Um, so he, they gave him an option to take players, or he made, he negotiated an option that he could take players from Wigan to Chelsea uh, in lieu of the money they owed. So him and John Neal went on a scouting mission and they watched the Wigan-Bournemouth game. And Bates said to, to Neil, um, so does anyone take your eye? And he said, yeah, I like the Bournemouth number four, which was Nigel's <laughs> pattern. Wow, brilliant. <laughs> Great story, that. Wow, brilliant, I love brilliant. that. Now, can the, I, can I just, yeah, sorry, go on, JK. Go on, go on, mate. Say that, that two players we didn't mention that I was actually disappointed, but I could see why it didn't work, was, of course, Gary Locke had gone on loan to Palace and he stayed there. And uh, and I was a great fan of Gary Locke's, but it because I think he could have actually, he could have contributed with this team, but uh, yeah. but he was that they made the decision that he was he was out of it. And poor old Kevin Hales, who was too prone mm, to injury, yeah. who I yeah. was always impressed by. He was a little nip, a nip, nipper of a player, really speedy, really, uh, to use a, not speedy is the wrong word, really quick, because, of course, speedy was... Give, give, me, a, give me a quick but, word, JK. Velocity. There you go. Yeah, he had a lot of... Uh, it's a bit, bit bit rubbish, though, to say, isn't it? It's a bit pretentious to say, he had a lot of velocity. No, I, I, I'm sorry, but, you know, that's that brilliant Gordon Strachan interview, isn't it, where some some, some Gary Shreves type said, can, I, can, we, can you have a quick word, please, Gordon? He said, yes, Velocity. Yes, yeah, <laughs> they walked was, off, which I just thought was, was clever. Brilliant. That was clever. Then, all, and so, um, and also, we mustn't forget that he also signed um, uh, Derek Johnston from Rangers, who who played a few couple of times, didn't he? Was a and was yeah, clearly yeah. a decent influence Old on pro. the side. Old I got pro, that yeah. impression because they seemed to speak very well of him. The few times I heard the players talking that he was a I think he was a very good dress very good in the dressing room Johnston well was an old pro wasn't he experienced and also unbelievably experienced yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was actually very, very clever yeah very clever purchase as well and of course Hudson and Hollins came back which was um which was intriguing but poor old Haddy was injured yeah, or, or Hudson, uh, Hudson O Hollins as we call them now Yes, indeed, indeed. <laughs> yeah. yeah they were brought in by Bates John Neil didn't particularly want them but Hudson and Hollins were Bates signings I mean, the interesting thing is, without being all mystic meg about it, Kelv, is, of course, the uh, the Hollins re-signing proves to be quite fateful in about two or three years' time. But let's not go there yeah. yet. 
In fact, yeah. if only they hadn't signed him, it could have yeah. all been so different. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. enough of John. We do love John, kind of. Um, anyway, um, of course, last but no means least, the, the wonderful, amazing Kerry Dixon, 175 grand from Reading. Now, you won't know this, Kel, because of course you weren't on last week's show, but we were we were talking about um, what the ramifications of Chelsea getting relegated the previous season might have been. And we were kind of looking towards this week and saying, well, you know, we wondered if a lot of these players would have been bought. You know, would we have gone out of business? Would it have been, you know, spiralling to the bottom? Who knows? And we talked about Kerry particularly, saying, well, would Kerry have come to Chelsea if we'd have gone down to Division 3? Well, as it happened, I actually spoke to Kerry last week and I asked him that question. Uh, sadly, I didn't record it, so you just have to take it on trust from your Uncle Chidge. Would I lie to you? But I asked him that. And, you know, Kerry, is, as always, very honest bloke. And he said, well, you know, it's interesting, you know. Yeah, he said, because Coventry were in for him at the time. Mm. Watford were in for him at the time. And Watford were flying high at the time. They, were, I think they came second the next year, didn't they, in, the, in Division 1. Uh, and Sheffield Wednesday, who who were, all, you know, kind of there or thereabouts. You know, we have a big rival with, with them that kind of starts this season. They were all interested in him. But he actually said, you know what, even if we'd have gone down to Division 3, I still think I would have gone because... You know, when I came in into the club this year, John Neal's plan for the team was really impressive. He was really impressive. And he said, look, you know, bottom line is Chelsea was still a bigger, more glamour club than Coventry, Watford and Wednesday. So I would have I would have taken the chance, which was, I thought, Kelvin, a lovely thing to hear from the great man. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm quite surprised because I've got a feeling his dad played for Coventry as well. Um, so I... I was my initial thoughts when you started saying that was well surely he would have gone to Coventry. I mean they were a sort of first division staple, so that does speak very highly of Chelsea as a club and of John Neal and the influence that he had for such a quiet man. He obviously did have a a, a good way about him, you know. Mm. Um, and obviously we were the beneficiaries anyway of um, Kerry Cannon because the rest is history. Once he signs. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, of course... Can I, yeah, uh, can I just say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, know, I know you were talking about the fact that um, we hadn't heard of a lot of these players. Um, I just remember, and I don't know if it's my memory playing tricks, it might be, I was so excited we were going to sign Kerry Dixon because he was scoring goals for fun. And I suppose it's all relative, isn't it? Because if, I mean, he was only in a division below the division that we were in. So yeah. the fact he was a division three striker rather than division two striker meant very little at the time but I do remember out of all of those players that we signed because obviously I hadn't really heard of any of the other ones I was very excited about that and I was also very excited that we'd re-signed Alan Hudson because I was so pissed <laughs> off about how we lost him yes and the fact that obviously when he left us he was fantastic at Stoke and then decent at Arsenal um and I thought great I'm going to see him again <laughs> how wrong I was <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that the whole process, the, the, the thing with the divisions, it, it was slightly more blurred in that in that period because the very fact that Peter Taylor had played for Palace and played for England and so and Steve Bull as well for Wolves. There was a kind mm. of you could actually be a deep, very decent footballer playing in the third and second divisions at the time. It was almost as if you'd go, yeah, OK, he can, it, it doesn't really matter if he'd been in the third. He, he, that's where you, because there were no, there, there were no foreigners coming in. You, that's where you got the better players from. So you, you, uh, yeah, there was an anticipation for Dixon appearing that I, I similarly felt um, really uplifted by. But, but um, 
uh, with all these players, what, when, with, with the eye that Neil had, because Speedy was so good as well, there was clearly something quite phenomenal about, about McNeil and Neil to, yeah. together. That, to That's able to, easy for you to say. Well, I almost copped it up, actually. Well, no, <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah, I got away with it slightly because I got them the wrong way around. But Neil and McNeil, yeah. But it was, uh, it, it, they clearly had a great eye for a player. And, uh, yeah. and we weren't to know that at the time. Um, um, obviously, because we thought, what are they going to be like? But it was, as we will discover, it was pretty obvious from the from the, uh, from the get go to use that uh, that rather uh, annoying um, expression. Well, let, let's let's hear from Kerry, who talks about um, you know signing for the club and, and and the squad and the players that were coming through. And actually, throughout <clears throat> throughout the, the show, we've got I've got clips from uh, Colin Pates, Canners. Kerry and John Bumstead uh, about all sorts of things about this season. So uh, enjoy them. I'm sure you will. What was his good points then, Colin? Was he a man management man tactically? Was he good? John, John Neal was, he, he didn't say much. Yeah. But, but he, I've never seen anybody spot a player like, like them two, Ian McNeil and, and John Neal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they brought players to the club that, that we were all looking around at each other. You know, it's like Pat Nevin. Yeah. You know, I always talk to Pat Nevin about this. He, he walked in uh, into the change rooms once and I was going to give him a couple of quid for a cup of coffee and tell him that he's not allowed <laughs> in the changing room. Um, because he turned up like a student and that's yeah. exactly what he was. Yeah. Well, the, f- I mean, the first day's training, I just, mate, he took my breath away and, yeah. and he's been one of my best pals ever since. Yeah. He just took my breath away. Yeah. Uh, Nigel Spackman, Joe McLaughlin. Maybe if Joe McLaughlin, the first game we played together, it was like we were just made for each other, you know. Um, John Neal and Ian McNeil were just incredible to fight. Kerry Dixon, look at Kerry yeah. Dixon, yeah. four hundred thousand. Yeah. Really? I mean, like. It was left to, oh, it's one hundred and seventy-five thousand, wasn't it? Kerry Dixon. Was it? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Oh, no. There was an add-on if he, there was an add-on if he played for England or something, which yeah. Ken yeah. Ken was not very happy about. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Yeah. I didn't even know. I didn't know it was that. Yeah. that but that's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And he goes on to be one of the top goal scorers in the whole, yeah, yeah. the whole history. But he, he had some smart signings. I mean, like getting Joey in, Joey Jones in, and Mickey Thomas, because of his Wrexham connection. Yeah. I mean, that was quite savvy as well. I thought get a bit of experience in there too. It, it was good. They were both characters yeah, that huge. you needed on the pitch, yeah. and they were characters off yeah, the pitch yeah, yeah. as well. Obviously. Very much so. Six of us joined at the time. Uh, it was the John summer. Neal. That was under John Neal, it, it was under John Neal, yeah. but one of them was. Uh, John Ollins, he actually yeah. made up the six, and uh, John. So he, he, was, he came back from Arsenal, yeah. As a player coach, yeah. and the five players, as you've already named: yeah, Spack, yeah. Nigel Spackman, Pat Nevin, Eddie Nizvesky, yeah. myself, and Joe McLaughlin. How did you find a step up from Reading to going to Chelsea, which is a I, weren't a big club, or were a big club, but I, was I in found the doldrums it, a bit then. I you? found it comfortable, yeah. I mean, yeah. you weren't but, fill out your depth or nothing like that. You were confident. If, in if your you ever, if you ever get to know me. Yeah. Um, I've never been shy in confidence and stuff that, yeah. like that. No, I mean, <laughs> if I failed, I failed. It, it wasn't a problem. Was you, you nervous know? about anything, or was you anxious about? You have to be up? nervous. You have to have a, a degree of um, butterflies, if you like, yeah. a, a little bit of an adrenaline surge because you're going out like the Arsenal game the season after, the first game at Derby. There was only fifteen thousand fans there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, great stuff from Kerry, as always. Um, Okay, first question, really. I, I, I'll just go round the houses with this one. I do it every week, uh, and I know what I'm going to get from Jonathan, but I'm going to ask him anyway. Oh. Were you confident this season, uh, or were you, in view of what happened the season before, a little bit trepidatious about the start of it? Well, 
it's a combination of the two, isn't it? It's um, it's the very fact they bought five players. You immediately think, wow, what's this going to be like? Uh, just think so what it would be are... like. Sorry, Jonathan. Just think what it would be like now if we signed loads of players that nobody had ever heard of and they're from lower divisions. There'd be a monstrous meltdown, wouldn't there? <laughs> <laughs> I think times times have changed. They have like, a bit, haven't they? Yeah, just slightly. However, if we did, we did buy. Um, um, I mean, I think, funnily enough, at the moment, the whole that since, uh, since we bought uh, Werner, everybody now thinks that we can only buy A-lister players, whereas before we were associated with uh, with. Um, uh, almost lower division, but in uh, in other countries. Um, but um, you know, I was I was I I, I, I went to the opening game with um, thinking, what's this going to be like? Let's hope it's going to be great. You know, we, we'd heard of a couple of the players, so you thought, well, and, and the season before, uh, um, Speedy was fa- fabulous. I always thought Speedy was a fabulous player. So uh, you know, and you're always thinking. Well, you know, they some of them are pretty good. Let's see how they all gel together. How many of the five they bought they're going to play, and um, uh, and we just weren't disappointed. So you go with your, you know, your the very first game of the season. You're at home. You're always, you're you're not going along thinking really pessimistically. You're thinking it's a new start. They could all somehow gel together, and it might be one of those great seasons. Mm. It's what you hope for. Clayton, what about you? You're an eternal optimist or are you an eternal pessimist? I can never remember. Um, depends what day of the week it is. <laughs> I think the, the thing was that the end of the last season, the previous season, had been so god-awful. I mean, it was just, I mean, obviously massive relief um, that we didn't go down. Uh, the last game at home to Middlesbrough was probably one of the dullest and most boring games I'd ever been to. But as I said to you on, on previous editions of this, this wonderful show, there, there is always an optimism at the start of any season, you know, irrespective of every indication to the contrary. Um, you still look forward to it. And I have to say that I, I know we're going to come on to, to Derby. Going to that game that day, I, I had no expectations whatsoever. I didn't know what to expect. As Jonathan said, there was a lot of players that came in that I'd never heard of. Um, and it was just like, okay, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I think that is what makes this season so magical is the fact that, you know, as using Jonathan's expression from the get go, it was obvious that something really, really special had happened. And I think it was amplified by the fact of the, of the absolute and utter dross that had gone before in, in the previous sort of three or four seasons. I think that's a valid point. I mean, the interesting thing about this season, of course, is that, you know, if you look at it on paper, we were awful the season before, even though some of us could see a glimmer of hope in a weird sense. But you looked at who was in that division. And I mean, people talk about, you know, the championship, which, of course, is the equivalent now, being really, really tough, full of former Premier League clubs. Well, you look at, Division two, and we had we had when Sheffield Wednesday, Leeds United, New, Newcastle, with the likes of a very young Waddle, Beardsley, Keegan, Keegan, Terry McDermott in the side, Man City, uh, and Derby County, Derby with uh, John Robertson and Archie Gemmell in the side, and Brighton, who whilst they'd been relegated from Division one, had, had been in the FA Cup final the season before. So Kelvin, it was it, you know on paper that's a tough league, and then our first match, of course is against Derby, isn't it? But were you, were you, you know, I mean, how did you feel before the season started, mate? 
I'm going to buck the trend here because I had no confidence at all. Um, Good man. I, that, that summer, <laughs> I hit 18 and it was almost like I, I did become a man because every season before that was going to be Chelsea's season. We'd get promoted, we'd, we'd have a good cup run, we'd end up at Wembley. And this year, I didn't fancy us at all. And much to do with the teams that you've just named being there, I just thought they'd be too strong for us. I went and I watched a pre-season friendly at Wimbledon and we got beaten. Um, I saw Pat Nevin for the first time and I thought it was an absolute joke because we had a little schoolboy on the pitch who couldn't do anything. Um, and I didn't go into that derby game with any confidence at all. We we did beat QPR the week before, which as sweet as it was, because it's always nice beating them, even that didn't give me confidence that we were ready to take on these teams once the, the uh, season started. And of course, it started, uh, you know, with this... Uh, <clears throat> well, it's now it's become quite a legendary match, really. Uh, the first match of the season against Derby, August the 27th. Uh, and basically, we absolutely walloped them. Um, Kelvin, I mean, what are your, what are your, I mean, you, you, I, 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 apologies to the other two for going to Kelvin first, but I know for a fact he's got a better memory than all of us put together. So, what are your <laughs> memories of this match? It was bloody hot. Um, <laughs> I'd been away with the family with, on a two-week holiday. Uh, I got six days in and decided I needed to come home for the start of the football season. So the day before, I came back from the holiday, um, and it was probably the best decision I ever made. Um, yeah, it was it was really hot. I remember um, Nigel Spackman scored after four minutes in front of the shed. Um, they had a good team as well. They had a couple of European Cup winners in there. Mm. And Peter Taylor was the manager. Um, they had a rotten tangerine kit, I remember, as well. Um, but but we were all over them. We Just before half-time, we, we scored a second. Uh, and it's quite funny because there's, there's a photo that you'll see often now doing the rounds um, of uh, Colin Lee and Clive Walker celebrating a goal and they're sort of shaking hands in front of the shed and you can see the shed's packed. People are going mental. The goal was actually disallowed, but this keeps doing the rounds as, a, as them two celebrating a goal. It was one of those that Colin Lee scored with a header and we were celebrating for two, three minutes, the team, the fans, everybody, and suddenly realised that the, the ref had disallowed it for some reason. Um, but in the second half, we just took them apart. Um, Clive Walker, who was kind of on a a final warning, I think. I think he he was kept in, um, he was kept at the club by the skin of his teeth at the end of the 82 83 season, almost virtue of the fact that he pulled yeah. one out of, the, out, of the, out of the hat at uh, Bolton. It would have but been he a... played well that Sorry, mate, go on, go on, go on. Now, he, he played well that day. He, he scored, I think, the second, and then Chris Hutchins, another one who had um, avoided the coal, um, probably deservedly, I think, as well. He, he, he put us 3 0 up, and then Kerry. Um, got his first two of two hundred, uh, sorry, of one hundred ninety-three, didn't he? Um, towards the end of the game. Mm, that's right. I mean, it was a walloping by any stretch of the imagination, Clayton, wasn't it? Did you feel somewhat? I mean, there was. A, I mean, you know, it was good enough to warrant a few mini pitch invasions. So it must have been a happy day. It, it was phenomenal. I, I know that when when I did your uh, my Chelsea thing, that when you asked for favourite games, that that was in it because. The, the amount of joy at full time and disbelief was just incredible. It was just like, I, I couldn't quite comprehend what I'd seen. I think, you know, I, I, I remember the day, I remember I stood in the shed, left-hand side, and was just sort of thinking, all right, okay, what's going to happen today? And then it's just like, oh, my God. And, and we were good. We were really, really good. And I don't know, it, it, there might have been the odd decent performance in the last two, three seasons, but this was the best thing I'd seen 
for so long. And I just, you know, just walking on cloud nine, it really was that, it, it was that significant. I know sort of perhaps to sort of younger listeners, it, it might sound absolutely bizarre that beating Derby 5-0 on the opening day of the season in, in what is now the championship could give so much joy, but it is, it is so difficult to just actually try and to, to comprehend how bad we were. And then overnight, and it literally was overnight, we had a team, we had a team and it, we had some great players. I do remember one thing. I remember I was talking about Alan Hudson. I do remember being absolutely dis- really disappointed that Alan Hudson wasn't playing. I was so, that was the thing that got me excited, not the start of the season, was the fact I was going to see Alan Hudson mm. in the Chelsea shirt again. Um, and the fact he wasn't playing and, and this guy, Nigel Spackman, who I'd never heard of, was in his place. And I thought, oh, yeah, what's he all about? And as Kelvin said, four minutes later, I knew everything about him. He was, he was fantastic and he was everywhere. He was indeed. He was really, really good. It's really, it's really. Sorry, John. I'll bring you in in, in a sec. It's just really interesting, actually, looking at the side. That it was an interesting mix. I mean, you know, you've got John Hollins, who's you know played for us for years before. Chris Hutchings is still playing. Uh, you know, you've got Bummers in there. Clive Walker, uh, Colin Lee, of course, who had been the mainstay of the side for the last three or four years. Canners, of course, is playing. He broke through <clears throat> the season before, really. So you've still got a lot of the, you know, a lot of the core, but it, it, it seems that those that turned up, like Kerry and Spackers um, and Eddie, Eddie Nijveki, obviously, and Joe, Joe McLaughlin, seem to have made a, a, a massive difference. Um, I'm just going to bring in uh, John Bumstead and Colin Pates, because, of course, Colin Pates is, is, is also worth noting here, because I think he's given the captaincy this year. Uh, and he talks about this. So I'll, I'll bring him in now and, uh, and also bummers on, on the impact that... That, uh, that Nigel Spackman had. First of all, how did it feel getting the captaincy from John? Well, it's something I always wanted, you know, but I never dreamt that I would get. Um, who did you remind me? Who did you take over from? Was it Mickey Troy? I think it might have been. I think it might have been yeah. Mick, might it? But um, it, was that, it was something, obviously, something that I always wanted, but I never thought I'd get. But when they gave it to me, you just, it's just such an honour to lead them out, you know, especially like at Stamford Bridge, my first game, you yeah. know, coming out as captain. Man, you can't, you can't even describe how that feels. Mm. Um, and then, and when you get it, you don't want to let it go. Mm, you know, yeah. you really don't want to yeah. let it go for anything. Um, it was magnificent. I mean, what was, the was fir- I a great talker on the pitch? Uh, yeah, I think I was. But I think, I think I was able to just stay calm when when everyone else was. I always, that's like, how I remember yeah. as a as a player actually. You know that you'd, you'd had a well, I, well, it's a calm authority, which is, I think is. Perfect for a captain. Yeah, actually. that's kind of how yeah. I saw myself. You know, I wasn't a great talker. I wasn't a great shouter and all that. I just felt that that I had the ability to stay calm. Yeah. You know, all around. Yeah. Off the pitch, I was a nightmare. But on the pitch, I was quite like quite calm. Did John Neil have a big say in your career? Yeah, I mean, he did he help you a lot? Yeah, because he said to me once. He, he said that like um, he wanted to mix in the guys that he wanted to keep hold of. Um, with the new signings, i.e. Kerry, yeah. Joe, you know, Nigel, yeah. What good signings. And, and he just wanted to keep two or three homegrown lads, he yeah. said, but he wanted one yeah. of the homegrown lads to be a captain. Yeah. He said, because that, that's how it should be, Great you've got the history, and, it, and he obviously gave it to me, so yeah. I couldn't, couldn't thank him enough. Yeah. Always encouraged to get forward and try and score. Yeah. It wasn't until... I didn't really have anyone who could sort of... Uh, 
holding midfield player. Was yeah. there such a thing in them days, John, as an holding midfield player? Yeah, yeah, there was. yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it's sort of only the last sort of 20 years. It's become well, popular, it's, it? it's become popular. Well, the thing. It was more more a case of, you know, don't all get caught going forward. Yeah, yeah. How many but, was it four in the midfield? Is it still 4 4 2 then? Well, the, the best one I ever played with was um, me, Nigel Spackman, Mickey Thomas, Pat Nevin. That, that's how the four it's was. Not a bad midfield. Well, what, it's, what it was when we was attacking, it was four-two-four because yeah. they'd yeah. come on, right. and they, they both worked really hard. I mean, yeah. a lot of people only remember Pat because he's dribbling, but he worked really hard, and yeah. he'd always get back and Mick would, and it was brilliant. You know, as soon as we got it, yeah. so a lot of the time it's just me and Spackers holding. holding but I mean, they're almost playing like like what we would call a modern-day wing back now. Yeah, definitely. You know, with that responsibility yeah. to come, a bit like Alonso was yeah. recently in, in I, a sense. I mean, but better and he was yeah, yeah at the moment yeah. but he was great John Neal because he encouraged that he yeah. loved attacking yeah. football yeah. and it, obviously we was we was getting the results so there was no need to change well I mean you had a good partnership with Spackers in midfield yeah. at that time didn't you yeah. what was he like to play with oh he was brilliant I mean he was he just used to run all over the place it was lovely because I'd sit great there engine. and see him yeah. like an headless chicken good player though oh yeah it was good where did he come from Bournemouth was it Bournemouth yeah. or somewhere yeah. like that he's down yeah. from my neck of the woods he's from yeah. Romsey I think I think he actually we was in um, Aberystwyth on pre-season training John New, yeah John yeah. used to love that yeah. and I think <laughs> I don't think they'd sign him I think he was on a it was like a trial yeah. but you could see he was a um, in fact, I was worried about Marspot when I was here. Really? So yeah, were you we, competing for the same position, do you think? Because, uh, I mean, you, you did complement each other, I thought. Probably not, because we played together. But yeah. you don't know what the manager's thinking no. at the beginning know. of the season. It was a nice man, though, John Neal, wasn't he? Lovely. Oh, he's, yeah, he's yeah, really, really... Calm, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 I mean, he had this he had this sort of aura about him where he would never really go mad, but yeah. you, did, you never wanted to let him down. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. knew when you did. Yeah. He had just this way of words and looking yeah. at you and thought, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah he was good. Yeah. I mean, you, you were, you're quite a big Spackman fan, JK, but you see what I mean about the blend of that side? It's very interesting, isn't it, what John Neal was trying to do there? And, and Colin Pates mentions it, you know, bringing, keeping some of the homegrown players. That's why he gave him the captaincy, but bringing in these new guys. And, and they hit the ground running and it all blended in that one match so quickly. Especially Spackman. Uh, I remember just being so impressed with him. He he, he looked a, a complete star from the very beginning. He, he was a lovely player to watch because he he had very tight control and yet uh, and a very crisp pass. And he saw things very well and uh, very, very dominant midfielder. And also um, could put it about a bit despite having a, um, how can you put it, a slight frame. He was... Uh, he was uh, Didn't he want to mess country. with him. He had a crunching tackle, did uh, Spackman. Did, uh, did but uh, as always from these things, you, you look at them and you go, wow, that was great. But you don't think it's going to be maintained for every game. You know, you go with there's an element of cynicism, having watched the team for so long. You still think uh, that that might just have been a one off, even though you're loving it. I mean, Clayton, I absolutely empathise with what you said about that. It was joyous absolutely joyous because they've been so bad and I have this terrible thing and I try and be quite cool about it all you know going yeah but you know who knows they might just they might all fall apart and within I'm actually 11 and I'm going yes yes come back yes we're going to get promoted so you you don't actually you know you you hope it's going to be the case but in this instance it really did look uh, um, as if something was was happening 
I think it was as 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 we were saying, it's because Derby had some really good players, and yet they were completely put to the sword. And then when you think about it, with hindsight, you go through the players. Canners was great. I was such a fan of Canners and uh, and Speedy. Uh, the ability Speedy had to uh, to put to put Kerry in, as we'll discover, and vice versa. And his pace and his hanging in the air for the ball was just quite phenomenal. But as, as you say, Chidge, they, they were very clever in getting these Northern players in. A very good eye. And, and all, even, you know, an, all Welsh connection as well in particular. No, that's in the north, mate, to be fair. It is. It is it, it's sort of north-left, isn't it? It's north, north, of, north of Winchester, <laughs> mate. It's the north. Yeah, yeah, yeah. North, north of Winchester, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, so um, now I was, um, uh, I, I left with huge hope because yeah, five nil in the opening game, bloody mind you, we'd had we'd had so many false dawns though that you just think, okay, let's hope, let's just nah, hope. We I don't believe you. I know for a fact that you were you pranced down Fulham Broadway after the game, singing, going up, going up, going up. I know, Jonathan. I've I've got I've had my scouts out who reported back. Um, anyway, um, there's a League Cup match which will skate over because uh, the next kind of league match is. Uh, another one of those infamous, notorious, historic matches for what on paper looks absolutely for no reason. But uh, 15,000 Chelsea fans travelled down to Brighton for an away match. Um, you may think, you know, well, why not? Well, I mean, I think the, the bank holiday had a lot to do with it. That's for sure. But anyway, it became quite it's become quite a, a notorious match, hasn't it, uh, Kelvin? I mean, obviously, you know, yeah. For, for many, many reasons. But uh, I'll, I'll I'll pass the baton to you for this one. Yeah, this was the maddest day ever, I think, mm. to be honest with everything that happened in that day. And some of it was, was pretty grim, to be fair. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it started from 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 the morning. I was, I was at my girlfriend's house, um, left to go um, to, to, to get the train. And the last thing I heard was on the radio, they were saying about Chelsea fans causing trouble overnight in Brighton. Um, so... That set me off with a, a, a grin on my face. You know, it was one of those, oh, here we go. It's going to be one, that, that sort of day. You know, like we got there um, and it was banged out with Chelsea. And I remember getting there maybe an hour and a half before kickoff and queuing and the queue just didn't move and queuing and queuing and queuing. And it was getting closer and closer to kickoff time and the queue just weren't moving. And it turned out they had two, maybe, maybe one window open because they didn't realise how many Chelsea were going to turn up. Um, and it just took forever to get in. And then once you got in, you couldn't move. I mean, it was dangerous in there. The, the floodlights were full of people climbing up, you know, to try and get out of the crowd, to get a view. There was Chelsea all over the ground in every stand, as you can imagine, you know, how things were back then. Kerry got another two goals. He'd also scored one at Gillingham in midweek. So he, he moved on to five in his first three games. Um they had equal, they'd equalised quite late on with a, an overhead kick and then Kerry had gone up the other end and, and scored in front of us lot in the away end. Um, then you had the business with Canneville in the last minute or so. Um, who, I'm not quite sure if um, he was racially abused or if he was spat at um, by by the, um, I think it was the left back. Um, Pierce, wasn't it? Pierce, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, Canneville's decked him and got sent off and um, it got a bit lively amongst the Chelsea fans then and it was only a minute or two later the final whistle went and there was a there was a nasty pitch invasion to be honest because there was three coppers that tried to protect the um, the goal in front of the away end and, and they were literally standing 
uh, underneath the crossbar, trying to deter people going for it. And you just saw this pack going towards them and they had no hope at all. It was quite nasty. They got really badly hammered and the, the goal got pulled down. Um, uh, Chris Hutchings tried to um, make his way over to applaud the away fans, you know, at, at the final whistle. Um ended up, um, there was a policeman told him to get off the pitch. Um, he carried on and the policeman had to go at him again. He, so he told the cop to fuck off and got arrested. Um, Joey wow. got in trouble that day. Wow. I think Joey, no, Joey got accused by their assistant manager, Chris Catlin, of um, goading the crowd. And Jimmy Melia, who knows Joey because they're both from like Liverpool backgrounds, um, he was manager of Brighton and he took Joey's side against his assistant. Wow. Um, but then, once that all settled down, um, we had the journey home. Um, and, like, yeah, it's, it, I actually still find it quite difficult to talk about, actually. Mm. So, uh, I'm not a tough guy. Um, but, yeah, we all had to sort of um, cram into the trains, get on whatever train we could get on. It was a real sort of free-for-all. Um, I was on my own that, that day down there. Um, so, I, I, I sat down, and um, the seats were, like, in twos. Um, so, you'd have two... I'd be facing like the front and then there'd be two two people facing me and then behind those people there's two people sitting sort of like like where I am and, and two facing them. So the guy who was in the equivalent seat to me, uh, so I could see the back of his head sort of thing, was was quite loud, um, constantly had his head out the window and um, was every time we went through a station, uh, you know, we go through it slowly and he was looking for people to he wasn't he wasn't abusing them he was just being a bit loud and obnoxious he was boisterous. obviously young yeah boisterous yeah yeah um and then um uh, i got it wrong in the book actually i i said that as he was um he put his head out the window he got hit by an oncoming train mm. and somebody reminded me somebody come and sort me out after i wrote the book and said they'd read it and said it was a bridge and as soon as he said it i was like yeah it was it was he, he hit his head on a bridge mm. but what happened was he was his head was out he was shouting out the window then i just heard this fud mm. and all the blood splattered up my window oh god and Jesus. i was like what's this happened? well i knew what happened um sorry i get like i, I actually get a little bit sort of well, I, tearful when i talk about yeah so all this all this blood went up my window um and it just sort of went quiet and then i, I don't know but the, it got to a point where all you could hear in the carriage was this guy. He was groaning. He was on the floor and he was groaning. And the word obviously went round and people started coming through the train to have a look. And I couldn't. I couldn't even no. stand up and peer over. I, I, I know I'd have been sick if I had looked. Yeah. And I, could see, I was looking at people's faces to try and gauge how it looked. And, um, yeah, it was like people Not, looked absolutely horrified. Yeah. Um, they stopped the train at Haywards Heath and kicked us all off. Um, and that was quite quite nasty as well because the police were looking for trouble then as well because obviously what happened at Brighton, um, the last thing they wanted to be dealing with now was Chelsea fans. And so they were a, a bit sort of aggressive as well. Um, but yeah, I don't remember much about that other than eventually another train came to ferry us all home. Um, I remember that I got home that day. I was living, still living with my parents then. And, and I just remember going in um, to them saying, like, yeah, um, this happened on the way home. And, um, yeah, going up to my room and staying there till the next day. Um, yeah, it was it was nasty. Very awful, awful end to the day. I mean, I, the, I mean, you know, I, I wasn't there, obviously. And I, I first heard that story 
funnily enough, uh, in the early days of the fan cast uh, with Chell Tell, who I think actually, Kelvin, was sitting, you know, remarkably, I think he must have been sitting in the same carriage as you. Because yeah. he, he, he says, he, he tells it almost exactly the way that you do. Um, right. You know, and, and you know, it, it was awful. Poor, poor, poor bloke. Um, you did boys. Was he killed? He, he did die. The story goes that um, he was taken to a, um, a morgue, mortuary. W- which one do you go to? A morgue or a mortuary? Well, it's a good question. I think it's a morgue. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, well, I... he was still alive when he got there. They discovered he was still alive, um, but he was in a vegetative state, and eventually he did die anyway. Yeah, tragic, mm. absolutely tragic. Um, now, you two boys, I mean, were you were either of you at the Brighton game, Clayton? No. Yeah, I, I was there, and I, I'm sort of quite interested. I mean, um, by uh, by Kelvin listening to the radio and finding out there'd been trouble. So we went down on Friday night. Um, there was myself and a couple of mates and, and we booked a hotel and it was fairly obvious. I mean, we, we must've got down there about seven ish, something like that. And I was still in my suit from work. And I think that's basically sort of saved me and my mates because I look semi respectable. The streets were actually crawling with Chelsea fans and I don't know, it's quite difficult to describe, but along the front, there's a, there's a, there was a massive underpass and the police had actually kettled hundreds of Chelsea fans in this underpass. And we're basically skipping along and I've got my suit on and so we don't get talked to because obviously Chelsea fans don't wear suits. And, <laughs> um, and we were just basically, we were waved through from what was going on. I mean, I couldn't see a lot of trouble. I think it was just a lot of now loud, noisy people. Um, and so we were fine. So we basically got back to the hotel and just sort of spent the evening in the bar, as you do. Um, thankfully, we got up relatively early in the morning. And um, so we basically didn't have a lot of trouble getting into the ground. We were sort of quite close. The hotel was quite close and we got there in good time. So we were in the in the ground quite early. Um it was just phenomenal. If I'm just sort of just digress, I know that we're whispering on, but I just want to tell you a little story. Um, I don't know if you remember, uh, from, for those of us who lived in London at the time, there was a company called Olympus Sports. Yeah. And they had a shop in, um, in Oxford Street. And the, the iconic shirt that you're now wearing I absolutely detested at the time because it was so sacrilege. Sacrilege. I know. Well, it was. I actually wrote to Ken Bates and complained, <laughs> and he wrote back and said, Fuck "Just another problem I inherited from the previous owners." Oh, really? Um, really? Yeah, yeah. I've got oh, yeah. that letter somewhere. I'll, I'll dig it out. Um, the reason that uh, I mention it is is basically um, Olympus Sports were doing a promotion on the kit. And Chris Hutchings, Joe McLaughlin and Tony McAndrew were there. Um, and it was really funny. Tony McAndrew might not be right. Was he with the squad in that season? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it was Tony McAndrew. And it was really funny because we sort of hung around afterwards and, and we just basically said to them, because this was, I think, the week before, I think this was midweek before, after the Derby game and before the Brighton game. And we basically said to them, You've got no idea what it's like to play for Chelsea. 
but you'll find out on on Saturday when you go to Brighton, you will not believe the support that is going to be there. I think it built up. I don't, you know, obviously it was a it was a day out and all the rest of it, but you knew it was going to be something special um, in terms of support and just atmosphere. It was it, again, it's like this iconic season. It was just an iconic game. There's some great. There's some. I mean, actually, we'll talk about this later because for some reason there seemed to be. A, I think it must have had a lot to do with dear old Hugh Hastings. But there are a lot of absolutely legendary photographs from this season. I've seen some great photos. Uh, of the Brighton away match and that amazing, you know, the the yellow version of the of the kit I'm wearing, um, and and you just see how absolutely rammed it is with Chelsea support. I've spoken to Kerry about the Brighton match, and and that's the one of the takeaways he has from it was that the support was just unbelievable. And I've spoken to Canners about it, and uh, you're right, Kelvin. He he he, you know, he got he got abused by that bloke, no doubt. And uh, I think when I asked him, he said that he'd do it again tomorrow without even thinking about it. He, he, he headbutted him, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He, he didn't. He didn't lay him out. He actually headbutted him, which yeah. was, which, and it was in front of the uh, the Chelsea end as well, wasn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So the uh, Can the uh, very fact that he got sent off. You're not really, um, you know, it was, it was an era where everybody ran on the pitch regardless. But and and even though they had those enormous fences everywhere, um, they always managed to get a, get. A, get they always had the the fences always had that little overhang at the top the idea being that you couldn't then get over that bit but everybody managed it or they found another way round or they'd right, go into get over a small wall into the stand area and then get onto the pitch that way just to digress um i got quite friendly with chris hutchings because um because i was friendly with hugh and hugh was because uh, i played sunday football with hugh and hugh was uh, was mates with him as well and he'd actually i've forgotten all about this He'd been very sympathetic when I was the lion, because uh, um, he'd always he'd seen me a couple of times being being taken out of the ground, and uh, um, I don't think he was playing in one of the games, and um, and uh, and he made a point. I, I met him uh, socially. I don't know why. I think he was with Hugh, and he said, uh, "Oh, you were the poor bloke who was always being ejected from the ground by the stewards." And I said, "I said yes, it was. It was. It was always me after that." And bizarrely. I then met him a couple of other times um, at um, when I uh, much later on when when Bates was you could purchase a uh, um, uh, a director's box ticket for sixty quid for a period and I did and I ended up at several games but when the vice presidents didn't go and I went to Wigan and um, and and we met him afterwards and he, he remembered me and I have to say I was I was completely taken aback by that he said oh bloody hell Jonathan how are you. Mr. Lyon himself, Mr. Stamford. And this was, you know, I can't remember, 15 years later. I was really impressed by that. So We could do with you getting friendly with him again, Jonathan. I've been trying (laughs) to track him down and uh, he ignores my my LinkedIn um, requests. Does he? I've got a story to come on to about Peter Rose Brown, but there's a piece of work I've been trying to do over the last few months um, and trying to get in touch with a few of the people that are, are less familiar. And um, yeah, Hutchins is proving quite tricky, actually. I think um, I think Hugh might be the man. To, have you got Hugh Hastings' email? He's equally difficult to get hold of. Oh, um, and I'll, I'll I'll try and send him a note. I've got his email because I I I was um I played Sunday football with him for about ten years. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'll have a go for you, Kelvin. Oh, lovely. Cheers. Well, I'm trying trying to work out whether Hugh owes me a favour or I owe him a favour. But for Mark Marco Worrell's fiftieth birthday a few years back. 
Um, I got a, a fr- I, I, the iconic photograph. In fact, it's on the. T- if you know, you'll know this T-shirt. There's a great T-shirt that the boys at CFC UK sell called the Shed, uh, and it's got this iconic photograph of the shed end, uh, you know, absolutely rammed. And it's taken from a game that we will discuss later, which was held on the 28th of uh, April, 1984. And uh, I got, I it, Hugh took that photograph. I tracked down the photograph. Hugh took it, and I wanted, I wanted it so I could frame it and give it to Marco for his fiftieth. So I had to, I had to phone up Hugh to see if I could get his permission to reproduce it. And we had a good old chat, and he, he was well up for that. And then basically a few, a few weeks later, he said, "You can do me a favour now because I think his daughter wanted to get into media, so I had to kind of employ her as a, as a researcher or something, which I was more than happy to do." So I'm not quite sure where we stand on the favour stakes, but I'd give him a ring anyway. I'll give him a ring anyway. Why not? Anyway, <laughs> anyone who could put me in touch with Chris Hutchins, exactly. That'd be great. Listen, we, we can are. I, di- can I just say? Yeah, of course, mate. I think Chris, Chris Hutchins was massively underrated. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely. I think he. I mean, he came from non-league football, didn't he? We bought him for about five grand. Am I right in thinking yeah. that was it? Yeah. Harrow Borough did we buy him from? That's right. Yeah. Which, yeah, I remembered. Clay, I, like I was going to say Harlow. I knew it was started with an I, H. I knew it was an H. I was going to go yeah, for me Hitchin, too, me but, too. I went, me too. but I thought Hitchin sounded too much like Hutchins. Yeah. Um, and I just thought he was great. I mean, he, he did a job. He was really solid. He wasn't sort of the best, but he certainly wasn't. Yeah, the a worst. very decent I, shot as well. He scored some decent scored goals. A couple of well, goals. He's, yeah. Did yeah. he, we won, I can't remember, was it away at Cardiff? We won one nil he scored? I don't know. On his debut, uh, yeah. He scored the only goal right? on his debut. He came on as a sub. And, and Ask me what I had for breakfast. <laughs> 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 All right, you lot. Um, this is this is so much fun. I, I I mean, good God! If only we were down the pub doing this, it would it would only only be marginally better. I'm really impressed. Um, we've only done uh, the first two games of the season, and we've already been at it for nearly an hour. So we'll be going on till at least one a.m. this morning at this rate. Which is this is as Tiswell's used to say. This is what we want. This is what we want. Um, anyway, we will move on. Um, uh, because uh, you know, I've kind of, you know, as you know, I try and chunk this up into kind of parts and give it a bit of a theme, as well as just going through every bloody game, which can be a bit tedious. Uh, and I've kind of entitled this one "We Pat" for very good reason, because a few games later, in fact, actually the next game, I think, um, Pat, We Pat, actually no, it's a couple of games, isn't it? Basically, Pat makes his debut in the uh, Milk Cup Round One, second leg on the thirteenth of September on a Tuesday night where we play Gillingham. And he comes on for uh, Peter Rhodes-Brown, which is your cue, Clayton... Uh, not Clayton, Kelvin, for your uh, Peter Rhodes-Brown story. But uh, before... Well, actually... Go on, go on, sorry, mate. Just, no, no, go on. The Peter Rhodes-Brown story um, should be on the um, on the section about Mickey Thomas signing and oh. Peter Rhodes-Brown leaving on the same day, because I've got a lovely story around that. Done. OK. Stored in the memory bank. Well, in that case, um, we can we can hear... Uh, well, let's just just talk about the game for a bit. I mean, it's four nil. Kerry scored all four goals, which is not the first time he did it. But I, I always, I always love that when a striker scores more than a hat trick. It just seems so special. But um, do any of you were were any of you there? Do you remember Pat coming on? Did he make an immediate impact for you? I was there. Um, I was the there only thing I remember. Great memory of it. Yeah. Sorry, no, it Kevin. wasn't. It wasn't much of a game, to be fair, um, Jonathan. It wasn't a special game. It was a. It was a run-of-the-mill League Cup game that we were always going to win because we'd, we'd actually won the first leg away from home anyway. Um, but the only memory I have of Pat in that game is that he flicked on a header 
um, he, he, he got himself into a sort of central position and a ball came over from wide right and he jumped like, like David Speedy. It was almost speedy like, and he flicked on this header onto the left wing. Um, and that's all I remember. And I remember thinking like this little boy has just out jumped, I don't know, it might've been John Sitton or somebody like that who was playing at centre half for, for Gillingham. And, and I thought, I hope it was Cascarino, mate. That would make me laugh even more. I don't know. Yeah, he might have been playing. Could, could yeah, have been. Cass was playing. Was he? Yeah. Steve Bruce? Oh, that's a good question. I shall have to go and uh, check out Bounder Friday for you. Where yeah, are we? Uh, John Sitton was definitely playing. Uh, Cascarino was playing. That's all of the ones that I know. Ron Hillyard was in goal. Yeah. He looked about 80. Yeah, <laughs> great, goalkeeper. great goalkeeper's name, isn't it, Ron Hill? Yeah, it's, it's almost like a fifties fifties goalkeeper's name. It is, isn't it? Yeah, pipe and a blazer. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, more generally, I mean, I, I'm we're going to hear from Canners on on what he thought of, uh, of of Pat, but it kind of, you know, over the next kind of couple of months, I think Pat really starts to to make his mark on, on Chelsea, which I, I want to hear from you boys about. But it's interesting, isn't it, how how John wanted to play and, 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 you know, Bummers mentioned that when we had that clip from him earlier, uh, you know, you basically had, you know, him, Bummers and Spackers in the, the heart of the midfield, but you had, you know, we had such an amazing selection of wingers that season. Okay. We've got Peter Rhodes, Brown and Clive Walker from, from prior to, to this season who are still there. You've got Canners breaking through Pat Nevin breaking through. And of course, later on we signed Mickey Thomas. So it was, it was a really interesting, interesting, you know, there was a clear kind of plan of the way that John Neal wanted to play, and it was all about wingers feeding the likes of David Speedy and uh, and Kerry Dixon, wasn't it, Clayton? Yeah, I'm just basically thinking back, and I've sort of will come on to the game um, <clears throat> later when we played Man City away, and I'm just thinking about how fantastic it was compared to what it is like now. <laughs> the, <laughs> the fact that we had two wingers who could actually cross the ball. I mean, Pat Nevin is is just. I mean, you speak to any Chelsea fan who 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 lived and watched Pat Nevin during his very brief time at the club, and there's nothing but love for him. To be perfectly honest, he was and, phenomenal. He was um, absolutely phenomenal. I agree. Clayton. You know, Jonathan and I are not sure about Kelvin. I mean, we remember Charlie Cook, and when Charlie Cook was fantastic, and we love the fact that we had a. a, a you know, a jinky Scottish winger. I don't know what it is with Scotland, but they had some fantastic wingers and they were all sort of quite diminutive and they were all sort of very skillful. And but also the other thing that. I think, Clayton, they've got wonderful character. Yeah. This is what this is what we're missing even now. You don't look at a player yeah. and say, he's got great character. They were great characters and the biggest character for the rest of the season is going to come in, in January. But... Um, yeah. Uh, but but, um, but Pat was just wonderful, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And um, can I just ask a question about him, um, uh, Kelvin? In your book, you say that people used to to, to shout to sing "We Pat," and I don't yeah. I don't remember that at all. Oh, it what? used to happen in the shed. Because yeah, I suppose I was too far away. But you thought I'd have heard it, and remembered it, you know, being up in the uh, up in the East End, upper as I was. But what was the what was the chart? What was it? Just, it was just like. When he went on one of his mad runs, like people would go, we pat, we pat, we pat, we pat. Like 
Well, would you believe? I always wondered what that was. I think because all I heard was, all I heard was hoo, 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 hoo. and I remember thinking, ah, "What are they singing?" Nobody I was with had any clue what it was. How intriguing! Well, let's let's hear from Canners about about we Pat. So, but it's what we saw of Pat. Oh, what he do with the ball? How good was he? Oh, he was real good. This boy had cling on. I've, I've seen that ball move between his foot. And a defender that thinks he can defend and nick that ball off it, Pat just moved it to one side, boop, boop. Mm-hmm. and that's how he did it. He didn't have the speed to run away from her, mm. but he had the skill, the close control, and what he could do the ball, even a free kick. Mm. He did it, and he would always try it. Um, and but seeing that, I think we won a lot of games because of that. Him on the right, me on the left, supplying the balls at that time was Kerry and Speedy. Yeah, and there was yeah, not it was great football. Ball. There's proper, proper football. Well, that was changing, obviously, isn't it? From the season before where we were struggling yeah. to now seeing season like, oh, my God, where's this come from? Yeah. We were well, making the, goals, the, scoring goals. The writing was on the wall, wasn't it, in pretty much the first well, uh, match? You wouldn't have 5-0, thought that, would you? 5-0 against Derby? New players would have been struggling with them. Well, that's no, what people thought. 5-0, bam. Now, there you go. Now, I mean, just to race forward a bit, um, you know, we're, we're uh, now in November. I mean, we will go back to the Fulham game because we can't, do us we can't do the 83-84 season and not do the 5-3 against Fulham away but you know as we're talking about Pat I mean this is this is amazing actually because I mean I've been lucky enough to spend some time with Pat and interview him and things and you know he remembers this like it was yesterday and it's a game that's still talked about which is the home match against Newcastle Kelvin and it's talked about not because we stuffed them 4-0 and they were as I said a a good side I mean you know Keegan Beardsley, Waddle, McDermott, to name but four. It's always yeah. remembered for that run, isn't it, Mike? That run. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we were 2 0 up and it was approaching half time. <clears throat> and uh, he got the ball. Uh, what he was doing um, in the left back position, I don't know, but he was in the left back position and Eddie rolled the ball out to him and he just jinked his way up and down the wing. I mean, he was like beating man after man. He was coming back and cutting inside and beating them. Um, and he must have beaten about eight players took it right up to the to the um byline at the other end of the pitch at the north stand end cut back again and cut the ball out across the ball over and i think speedy headed it over the bar um but it was an unbelievable run he did a few that that game including one where he nutmegged keegan um and, and he also got a 10 out of 10 in the sunday people the following day um but the sad thing about that game is that uh, it was due to be on match of the day but there was a technician strike um, so it's never been filmed, which is a shame because we don't get to see that run ever again. But it's a good thing because we can all have our own versions of what we saw as well. <laughs> um, but that's how I remember it. How, how do you remember it, JK? Uh, I, I remember it, but I've got the position completely wrong in my head. I thought it was on the right-hand side. Pro- proving Kelvin's point, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think. I, I've Some of these visions, I keep thinking... If I viewed this from the right angle, I think, hang on, where am I? Where am I? I'm up in the, I'm, I'm, I'm at the top. I'm in the front row, uh, east, east stand upper to the right. So, and I kept thinking, no, he went down the wing and then he crossed for, for, for Speedy. And you think, hang on, he probably did that so often. I've just forgotten. I remember the, the moment. I remember being amazed. I remember you wanted Speedy to score. I remember everybody going, oh, wow, that was superb. And the and the ovation he got at the end of it. I remember all of that. Yeah. I remember that aspect. There was, uh, uh, and it was creating 
um, such wonderful um, um, positive energy for the team who you just began to think this is this is going to be a really terrific season. Well, we're still with the, the caveat, of course, that you're watching Chelsea and they might suddenly <laughs> all fall apart, you know. But but uh, but there there was a, a bigger hope for this team because there was they they had, as I said, they had such character, they had such such terrific players in 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 every position. You have to remember that Joey Jones is still going strong, isn't he? And um, um, and uh, as you say, Pates and McLaughlin were a, a terrific partnership in Hutchings and Nizvecki was a. Uh, uh, a really top purchase. I mean, it was interesting to see how how much better the defence got because they had a very good goalkeeper. I don't want to make any comparisons with the, the team at the moment, but um, uh, <laughs> he, he was a, he was a very top player, and yeah, um, and uh, and was of course rewarded by becoming an international. Um, and uh, uh, and then of course poor old Clive Walker um, uh, got injured, didn't he, about this period and. Um, and that was the end of well, that. That's an interesting point, J.K., because you're right, he did get injured and that was that for him. But one wonders, you know, whether the way that Pat Nevin was playing, that was kind of the death knoll for uh, for Clive Walker anyway. Very different player. Very, very oh, different yeah. player. But wingers. Wingers, indeed, indeed. But at the same time, you know, we were... We were we were fond of Phil Driver, and he never he never managed to get it together. So uh, you wonder what would happen if Driver hadn't been prone to injury, because he. I he like the a, look of him. I was reminded uh, recently of how good he was. Actually, I forgot yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clay, no, Clive, I think Clive was also a victim of his own his own uh, irrational. his kind of um, his chalk and cheese performances in the same way that Fillery was. He was. I the, think he it, was. He, the, he was the quadrado of his day, mate. Very much so. Very much so. Without yeah. without the perm. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe he did, did have a perm, didn't he? He did have a perm, yeah. <laughs> he did. He did for a period. Well, you got little, you got you got sparse hair like that. You try and do what you can with it. You I speak. Do. I speak from experience. I'm saying nothing. I'm saying no, nothing. Uh, thank you. It would be very unfair of me so to do, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think you've. I'm more vulnerable since we've been zooming. I think. Uh, <laughs> Clayton, uh, a man who likes to zoom, as was Pat, Pat Nevin. Um, you know your thoughts on Pat, and uh, and then I want to kind of just. You know, because it's not just about Pat, is it? We've been talking about wingers and how effective this style of play was from John Neal, but they were there to provide service for three excellent uh, front men. So you know, I want to talk about Speedy and Dixon and also Colin Lee for a bit, but talk about Pat first. Your 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 remembrances of the Newcastle game particularly. Um, very much, uh, sorry, Jonathan, but very much what Kelvin said. It was from the left back position because I was standing in the shed that day and I always stood on the left hand side of the shed. And it is to, um, it's to the eternal shame of whatever that it's, it, it wasn't televised. It was just phenomenal and it was brilliant, as was he. And, um, on the sort of he interviewed Antonio Conte, um, in the uh, sort of, I can't remember, one of the pitch owner things. And he was a comp here that night. And he said, oh, if anybody's got any questions, let me know and I'll endeavour to answer him. And I must have been the 935th person that night to go up to him and say, oh, what a shame about that run. And he said, he, he just basically poo-pooed it in, in his own inimitable fashion and basically said, oh, you know, he said the fact that it's not on TV, he said, I'm quite pleased about that because... Um, Everybody thinks it's much better than it actually was, which with as much as I love Pat is bollocks. It was brilliant. <laughs> it was a thing of absolute genius. It really was. Um, and I just loved him. And as I said, 
there's it's very little that you can say apart from the fact you know that I was so disappointed when he left um I you know I don't know the history behind it but that season he he was a catalyst I mean we started off well um and we were playing okay but when he came in he made things work so much better the service that he he gave for Dixon and Speedy and the fact that you know a lot of the stuff that he did he got sort of marked out of games and, and created space for other players to do other things. Uh, and obviously him and Canners, it's just a joy to watch. And, and, and the, the thing about this season is that all the games were beautiful. Mm. Even ones we lost, they were beautiful. I can't think, I was like looking at all the, the sort of the, the fixtures and I can't think of one game that was dull, you know, you think about the sort of what served up earlier this week at Stamford Bridge and for all sorts of reasons. There was nothing like that. There, were, there seemed to be no fear. Do you know, that, I think, was it. Do you, do you know what occurs to me? It's interesting, actually, because you think about the modern game now. What, what appeals to me about the game in those days, and particularly this season, it's the simplicity of it. Football is not a fucking complicated game. Do not overcomplicate it. Put the right players in the right positions... You know, cross the ball into a striker who can head the ball. Simples. And actually, funnily enough, with the with the um, marriage game from this week, that's, exact, that's, what that's exactly what we did. You know, you yeah. get a good a guy who can cross the ball to a guy who's good in the air. Bosh, you score. All this fannying about, twenty five yards, you know, outside of the the goal line, t- passing it across the bloody pitch. Get in the bin anyway. Rant over. Um, Something that you could never accuse um, this Chelsea side of doing, Kelvin, um, because they were blessed with so many, you know, I mean, Dixon and Speedy and Colin Lee. I think we need to mention Colin Lee in dispatches here because, you know, he was starting up front a lot. So the Dixon and Speedy partnership didn't really happen instantaneously, even though we we might think it did. And in fact, hilariously, you could argue that it didn't really get going until um, they actually tried to beat the shit out of each other in the City game, when we lost the first home defeat, actually, of the season, wasn't it, against City? And they came to blows. Yeah. Um, I mean, the season started with Colin Lee and Kerry Dixon up front. It was a bit of a surprise, because mm. as JK said, um, Speedy was great the season before. So I think people were, were kind of surprised um, mm. that John Neal went with the two big men together up front. And ironically, Colin Lee was Speedy's best mate at the club as well. Um, so I don't think he was. You mean Speed, Speedy had mates? A, a one or two, I think. Yeah, Spackman liked him as well. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so and, and Colin Lee started in decent form, and and him and Dixon hit it off. They were a decent partnership. But um, I think Lee got injured. He scored against Cardiff in the two 0 win at home, and then got injured. And um, that was Speedy's first um, opportunity to come in. And it was a game against Charlton and uh, we beat Charlton 3-2 and Speedy scored two and Dixon scored one. And that was the start of the, them scoring goals together. But like you say, it never really connected in the same way until they punched each other's lights out after that Man City game. Which, to be fair, I think um, Speedy was upset because Dixon missed a few chances um, and he, he accused him of being lazy. But... Um, we absolutely pulverised City that day. I mean, Alex Williams, their goalkeeper, was out of this world. We absolutely hammered them in all but the scoreline. And then they scored a, a soft free kick, really, that Eddie probably should have done better with. 
Um, but yeah, it all came to a head, didn't it, in the changing room? And um, I think John Neil let him have a bit of a punch up and then sorted it out once what? it was it was over. I've I've actually got a clip here of the great man uh, Kerry, not not Speedy, talking about that, uh, and it's hilarious. No, no, no. It was very rocky. Speedo has a rocky relationship with everyone. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think there's a person who's got two legs that he hasn't had a rocky relationship with. Did he with. like that off the pitch as well? Uh, did, yeah, he, yeah. Get, he blows up. <laughs> if you went out on a, and, and had a pint, would he be fiery when he was out and about? Good luck to you. Well, um, on that one, yeah. he's Listen, David is David. You, um, you talk about Marmite. I mean, I love the bloke. Um, he's, 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 a, he's, a good, he's a good friend of mine, yeah. Uh, first, three, first three months, it was, it was a bit of a nightmare situation. He was big friends with Colin Lee. They used to travel in from Camberley down that way all together with uh, Nigel Spackman and yeah. that crew. I used to come from my end of the woods with Eddie Nisveski and Joe McLaughlin. And yeah. It was a little bit like two camps because Colin Lee and myself started the season up front mm. and Speedo was on the bench. Yeah. Um, he thought him and Colin should play up front. Mm. Um, John Neal had other ideas. There was, was a bit of animosity. It came to a head in the Man City game where we swung punches at each other after the game and over what he felt whether I should have passed. Obviously, when oh, he... come to near, come to blows then. Oh, yeah, yeah. When, it, when it, he thought that um, he was in a better position. But knowing what I know now, I, I made the right decision, I feel. I mean, he might not have scored. If it was the other way around, he definitely should have passed because I would have scored. That's, <laughs> what I, that's what I told him. So there you go. Uh, as always, the ever so humble Kerry Dixon there on uh, why Speedy was wrong. Can I just add a rather poor, uh, well, not poor, but an unpleasant uh, footnote to, to that. Um, that game was the last game that my late father ever went to. My dad hadn't been to football for years. And... Um, Basically, because we were doing so well, I managed to persuade him to come along to the game. And as as now, sadly, there was an element that was basically monkey chanting Alex Williams the whole way through. And my dad just hated it. And he never went back. And, uh, you know, that, I'll never forget that. Awful. Mm, very sad part of the... That and hooliganism very much part of the game then, and uh, one likes to think we've moved well away from that. Although I, you I expected just... a pitch invasion every match, <laughs> or and you expected a ruck every match. That, yeah, that, that was the way you 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 watched football, not just Chelsea football. Yeah, that was the, the, uh, that's what happened. It was frightening time. It really was. I mean, uh, it, this is still kind of you know uh, what what we call uh, Chelsea, uh, you know, kind of BC or before Chidge if you prefer, you know, because I, I, I haven't really kind of made it up to London yet. I mean, ironically, I'm, I'm, I'm about to, because I had to do three years to do my A-levels because I was so lazy. I was the Mick Fillery of, of Peter Simmons College. <laughs> um, you know, I, I had to do three years. So I'm, I'm, I'm you know, working really hard <clears throat> not towards uh, taking my A-levels again this year. So I don't move up to London until um, September 84. So there you go. And and you know London has changed irrevocably due to that very fact but that can wait for another day uh, I just want to go back and then go kind of forwards again we we can't not mention the Fulham game as I said uh, I'm presuming all three of you were there yes look at, yeah. look at that that's what yes. we call proper chels not like yes. me I haven't even turned up yet um it's quite an I mean I watched this on on, on YouTube this afternoon I forgot what a bonkers match it really really was um Lovely beating Fulham, J.K. You love beating Fulham, don't you? I do. 
I do. I've yeah. got several friends who I uh, I enjoy. Uh, you rarely lose against them, which I like as well. But um, uh, you've got to appreciate what a good player Davies was mm. as well. Yeah. And um, and so I was actually terribly pleased when we ultimately signed him, but he wasn't the big success that I thought he'd be. But uh, he nipped in. Um, uh, he nipped in and uh, and uh, got goals. You never thought he would. But yeah, it was it was you know it's that. Five three. It was uh, it was some lovely um, them some lovely moments. Um, and I, what I loved it was Kerry's last goal. Actually, was what you forget Beautiful about. Beautiful goal. Yeah. Well, it what wasn't, but it was hilarious. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what you forget? Well, at the same time, you forget about Kerry that you that he had. He was actually a very very good skillful player, yeah. as well as yeah. being um, a terrific header of the ball with a great shot. He actually had that other skill as well, which people weren't willing to give him. They were well, they thought he just ran onto the ball and he was very accurate. He was a very skillful footballer as well. I mean, I, I would I would describe Kerry as bullocking, which is a, a term often used by Scottish rugby commentators weirdly, but he was. You know, he you know, he had that strength and that power and nothing would bloody stop him. You know, it doesn't matter what was in his way, would. But you're right; he had intelligence as well as speed, and he had yeah. two good feet. And that yeah. last goal you're talking about, where he, he basically he, he beat about four players in the yeah. box. He missed his opportunity yeah. to shot, nearly screws yeah. it up, yeah. and then yeah. he kind yeah. of deftly, kind of with the side of his put, puts it round the keeper, doesn't it? It's a very yeah. good goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clay, no, he, sorry, mate. He, go on, Jonathan. You know, I was going to say just uh, uh, you you forget about that aspect of him that he was. Um, um, I always find him a, a, a very graceful-looking player as well. The yeah. way he ran, very upright, and I bizarrely, um, the uh, the Leeds centre forward who we had for a period, um, what's his name, um, who's um, who keeps missing for them all the time. But he, he's going to be playing. Patrick Bamford. Yeah, yeah, Bamford. Bamford. If you want to look, if anybody doesn't doesn't look at any of these these videos and sees Dixon or as doesn't see him in the way that we saw him because you saw him so regularly there was a poise about him and, and a slightly prancing pony aspect that Bamford has got that that Dixon that Dixon I'll had. tell Kerry you said that mate but in a lovely way though just say <laughs> in a in a kind of upright yeah, you're um, back you're backtracking now mate no I'm not I'm not I'm just trying to give the image but no it is he it prances as a kind of elegance an elegance about him yeah that um uh, the, so real when he athlete, ran, real athlete. Yeah, when he ran onto the ball, you just thought he's going to score. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a completely terrific player. Dixon was bloody hell. Great. Cl- Clayton, you got anything to say about Fulham? No, it was just uh, it just goes back to what I was saying before that there were no dull games, and I, I think we had the attitude then that you know we'll score more than you. I mean, even though our defence was very good, I think the attitude was if we let goal in, we'll score two. It was it was still uh, and still is one of the maddest games I've ever seen and and that that Dixon goal was was something very special and if anybody hasn't seen it they have to search it out on YouTube. Mm. I think what Jonathan was desperately searching for was uh, good feet for a big man. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't actually. I didn't know. I didn't. It, it it never occurred to me that he was um he was clumsy in any way. No. I just thought he was uh, he had the lot. Yeah, and he, he also did. had a, a terrific player with him, setting him up a lot. Yeah, I've got did. this you vision. Know that... I think I told Kerry this myself, was that <clears> I've <throat> got this vision of of just seeing him leap up and uh, and put Speedo in just with a flick of a header. 
and uh, and and vice versa. It, it was just a kind of partnership made in heaven, really, between the yeah. two of them. With as you say, Chidge, with the uh, with the balls coming in really accurately from uh, from Pat Nevin. Mm. Kelvin. Yeah, there's an iconic, another one of Hugh's iconic photos was the scoreboard um, at Fulham. It's, it, that funny old Ratley scoreboard that with the yellow, the yellow dots, and it said on it, Fulham 3, Chelsea 5. And um, when I went to interview John Neil for Celery, I went to his house in Wales, and um, he made a point of going out into his um, garden shed and digging out. Um, a framed photo, a framed um, copy of that photo that um, Hugh had done for him. And he said he'd asked him to do it because he saw it in the programme and it looked so good that he wanted his own copy of it. So Hugh had had it framed for him. And uh, it, although he said it wasn't up on his wall, he said it was one of his most prized possessions. Brilliant stuff. Absolutely brilliant. Um, the next match I want to skim forward to is uh, is the Swansea City, oh, sorry, the Chelsea Swansea match, which, uh, I mean, by now we're getting close to the top. We're, we're kind of uh third uh of the man city match and then we're up to second the next match was chelsea versus swansea and we absolutely walloped them uh 6-1 i mean for for me this this is always about you know canners getting a hat trick kelv uh but there was a lot more going on than just that we will hear from canners actually before we we we, we talk about the match he talks about his his hat trick here wow you opened up the scoring brilliant. you opened up the scoring on 8 minutes remember that Did goal I? nope nope Nope. <laughs> well, the only one I scored, I remember, where I put the ball. <laughs> it was supposed to be a cross, and it went. Kind of keeper had it, and he took it over the line. And right. I think oh, right. that was when I scored the hat. That was that was the hat trick goal. But it was a cross. Right. Okay. Well, you scored on eight minutes. Pat scored on twenty-four minutes. Eight you minutes. scored your second goal on forty minutes. Second half, Kerry scores on fifty. Johnny B scores on eighty-one minutes, and you get wow. the last one on eighty-four. That was the hat trick goal. Yeah, I take take that and I still got the ball you still got the ball yeah mum's got the ball nice so I'll leave it at that and then did yeah, they all the, sign it they, yeah because it was a case I, I didn't know what to do and it's funny young lad I didn't know what to do the ball said Paul go and get them signed yeah oh, can I? that's what you do I wouldn't know I've never scored a hat trick yeah I've got a sign then. you know what I mean you can imagine I was going home with that boy I scored a hat trick and mum can you put that that's for you and uh, she asked me look I scored a hat trick Oh, well done. And that was it. Well, that was it. She didn't. She still me, didn't really get it. Didn't get it. She's... Yeah, there was a lot more going on than just Canners getting a hat-trick, wasn't there, Kelv? Yeah, I mean, it was a funny one because it was a really cold night. It was a Tuesday or Wednesday night and um, the crowd wasn't great. Um, and it was just like an easy game because Swansea were in a bad way financially and um, I think we'd already gone there and played them and I think we'd done the same with Charlton because both clubs had quite serious money problems. So we'd brought the fixtures forward to get them some money um, in. And so Swansea were in a bad way as a club. Um, and I think they had a youngster, a, a youngish guy called Chris Sander in goal who had a bit of a nightmare that night. And he, it was him who carried the ball over to give um, Canners his hat-trick. Pat Nevin scored a lovely free kick that he dinked over the wall. Canners' hat-trick was probably the least glamorous, least elegant hat-trick you'll ever see. Although I do remember an Elka scoring a particularly ugly one, I think, against Sunderland. Um, but uh, but it was a great thing that Canners had um, had scored a hat-trick. He was, he was, he'd, he'd been accepted pr- pretty much by the Chelsea fans by then anyway, but every time he had a milestone like that, it was, it was nice, you know? Yeah. Um, and I remember that Speedy missed five or six absolute sitters that night. I mean, it, it could have been a huge, huge win. I mean, 6-1 big enough, but I remember Speedy had a bad night and he missed one in front of the shed and in the end he just put a gun to his head like, 
mimic shooting himself in the head because he was just having one of those nights. But it was an easy game. Yeah. Kelvin, so, in, in your book, what I love is that 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 um, that the moment you you mentioned with the two girls who always marched across the front of the shed, yeah. and, and always <laughs> always always at a specific time in the second half. Yeah. And I remembered exactly the same. What I loved about I love about your book is I remember stuff where I go, yes, yes, exactly. I remember that absolutely. Those and everybody always sang, get your uh, um, busty substances <laughs> out for the lads. Get your baps out. Yeah, obviously they sang that. But um, uh, I thought well, of the debate that you have in the book is exactly the same debate that we had. Was, who are what, they? Who are they? What are they doing? Yeah. And the theory that we had was that they were involved in the pools. I don't know why that was the case, but yeah, that's what we came up with in some way. And they had they had various um, uh, they had to get across to deliver the, 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 the pools money or something. I don't know where we came up with that theory, but I um, reckon you're right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, maybe the cake. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, they, they they didn't they didn't. They were, I think there were pools people at the front, weren't they? And there was a there were a couple of a couple of people in the West Stand who did pools as well because they're always trying to make that extra money. Bates was always yeah. keen on that as well. So that well, was our theory what, at the time. I remember saying that. Well, if these girls have got any sense, they should be suing the club now, saying they were traumatized by what <laughs> happened. <30 laughs> yeah. and, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you quit our moment. And just and just to explain to to people because we're, we're going to get onto the lovely thing when you you mention an ambulance comes onto the pitch. It's a bit later on, wasn't it? It's the layout of the ground it, for people who haven't got the have never seen pictures of it. Was that that it was such a long way from the edge of the uh, of the crowd, the edge of the of the terraces to the pitch behind the goals that you could yeah. you could almost play another football match there. You could play five <laughs> a side there. It was just, and everybody parked their cars there. And there was a particularly um, uh, dreadful period where the um, those the little blue invalid cars were parked. And then luckily somebody came up with the fact you could actually just alter another car. Otherwise there was a kind of stigma attached to driving these little blue cars around mm. that I always felt was terribly un unfair on the disabled. But that was what they were given. But they were always parked in a row. And then you get the director's cars parked there. And I was always bemused to think you can actually see over these cars to if you stood in the shed to watch the game. They're not in the way at all. And yet the ridiculousness of having a car park in front of the goal. <laughs> we think about it. I mean, only Chelsea could do that. But it's, <laughs> only, it's only in hindsight that you're saying that now that yeah, I think, yes, yeah, that's, that's quite absolutely. right. Because at absolutely. the time, at I just, time, you didn't, just accepted right. it. Yeah, you did. You accepted it. But then also the weirdness, as I've said, about, about the East Stand not being the, the 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 entrance to the ground for the the tunnel when you came out, not being level with the halfway line. Yeah, it was about twenty yards out. You just think, what was the madness of that? But you know, eventually it got shifted across as as you as you'd expect. But yeah, these well, did, things. Did, did you, they move the say, stand? Clay, yeah, they moved. The, no, well, yes, <laughs> we'd have to have done. Somebody but, pushed it because it was only made of Lego. <laughs> It was on wheels. You're absolutely right. But, uh, but Clayton, you're absolutely right. We just accepted it. You accepted the fact that the, the north end crumbled and that people could take bits of the terraces out and throw them at people, as happened in this season. You accepted yeah, crazy, that. You know. Crazy, crazy, crazy. All right, back to the football briefly. Uh, normal service will be resumed in a minute. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boy's life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Um... Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels. You know, we're kind of uh, on an inexorable march towards the top of the league. Uh, we wallop Swansea 6-1 and, and then actually our form gets a bit indifferent. Draws against Barnsley away. We lose to Grimsby at home. We uh, we beat Shrewsbury uh, away, which is a massive result for us because they're a bit of a bogey side. Uh, we draw against Pompey. Uh, Kerry misses two penalties. We beat uh, Brighton and then we lose to Middlesbrough. And then we get knocked out of the cup uh, by Blackburn Rovers, which... It's it's interesting because normally one would be just humongously disappointed about getting knocked out of the cup. I mean, it was even more special for Chelsea, I think, then than it was uh, now because it was our only kind of, you know, dream of a trophy. Uh, And like all good managers uh, who sense that things might be wobbling a little bit, what do they do, Kelvin? They go and buy a decent, experienced pro who can add something to the team. And boy, Absolutely. boy, did they do that with your a great friend of yours, I know, and and proud to call him a friend myself. But uh, who did we sign, Kelvin? Mickey Thomas. Yes, indeed. And um, yeah, and it was the it was the the piece of the jigsaw, wasn't it, that, that brought it all together for the uh, for the final running? Because after that Middlesbrough game, we didn't lose another game in the league yep. that season. Um, and I was actually at the ground at Stamford Bridge the day that we signed Mickey and sold Peter Rhodes Graham. I was um, I was I was at Hammersmith and Fulham College at the time, and I was doing a, a an assignment, a project there, um, where we had to research a local business. Now, being that it was just down in Barons Court, my college, um, there was no doubt that I was going to research Chelsea Football Club. So, I did my project on Chelsea, and I had we had a commercial director at the club at the time called Gordon Dimbleby. Um, so I had an appointment to go in and see 
Gordon Dimbleby on this, um, on, on, it was a Friday, I think. Um, so I went up there in, in the afternoon and I walked into his office. It was in the, you remember the old ivy clad mm, offices? Yeah. yeah. Um, so he, he had quite a big office in there. Uh, I walked in and there was a, he had a fag on, he had the, the uh, Pirelli calendar on the wall, I remember. Um, it was was it, was, did they times. have the two girls that used to walk round in the calendar by any chance? <laughs> it wasn't Swiss Tony, was it? <laughs> <laughs> but um, first thing he said to me, he said, I'm sorry I'm a bit late, but um, we've just signed Mickey Thomas from Stoke. And um, I think it had been in the paper, so I think I was kind of expecting it anyway. And he said, and we've sold Peter Rhodes Brown to Oxford for the same nuts, for the same price that we paid for mickey thomas and i was like that's amazing and he said yeah but he said peter rose brown is a lovely bloke and i've just been out there with him i'm not, not sure where how out there was but he said i've just been out there with him he's in tears he don't want to go uh and i said oh, no, that's a shame that's a shame but i was thinking yeah but mickey thomas so, so i've got a story that started in 1984 and goes on to 2020 <laughs> because this this thing that I was telling you about trying to contact Chris Hutchins for, I also needed to get in touch with Peter Rhodes Brown for. Um, and he, I, I've been, I was talking to him, or I contacted him, I should say, on, on LinkedIn. Um, and he came back to me, we were talking about, it was about this season. And he said, he came back and he said, I don't think I get enough credit for my role in um, Chelsea promotion that season. And he said, the fact of the matter is they sold me and brought in Mickey Thomas and he put Mickey <laughs> Thomas in capital letters and he said, and that was it. <laughs> and I thought that said a lot for him, though, that he was that humble that, you know, he, he acknowledged that. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. I mean, Mickey, Mickey was, uh, I mean, he's such a lovely bloke, but he, you're right. I mean, in, in many respects, he was the final uh, piece in the jigsaw for us that season. Um, another winger, of course. I mean, Peter Rhodes Brown goes out, but uh, of course, you know, it also, you know, antes up the competition for places, particularly for for Paul Cannaville. And I, you know, interviewed Canners as as you know for the Chelsea special, as I did Bummers and Colin Pates and Kerry. And this is what uh, this is what Canners had to say about Mickey. Right. So we're in the middle of the eighty three eighty four season. Um, we're doing pretty well, but. Mm. Uh, John Neal then signs Mickey Thomas in January. Yeah. Now, we talked about, you're right, of course, Pat mm. was never really a rival for your place because he yeah. played on the right. And you both complemented each other, I think, very, very well. But Mickey Thomas is a left winger. Yeah. And Mickey's got a reputation. Yeah. This, is a, this is Mickey who won the FA Cup with uh, Man United yeah, a few right, years man. before. He's a Welsh international. Mickey, busy, Mickey's busy. a well-known player. That is a threat to your position, isn't Definitely it? Definitely was. But you know where it was? Pardon me. I... I, you know what? I had so much respect for him. He's a good because, lad, Mickey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no, there was no proper footballer in holding back with it. You know what I mean? And at times I thought, you know what? He makes a difference. Mm. He was so busy, and it was like, boy, I'd play him in front of yeah. me. You know what I mean? That's Don't honest. Get me wrong. Yeah, there's no hard. I thought like, hold on, I deserve to be on there. Why is he? Mm. I didn't feel like that. Mm. He played. He, he was brilliant for us in, the, in, the, in that oh, very short time he was with he us. Did. He was brilliant for us. I mean, he? he was scoring some goals as yeah. well and making some. He was busy. From if what we had a tight one with Nigel, him, yeah, yeah. over the right pat. What can you go wrong with it? Was he good in the dressing room too? Oh, he's a laugh. He you know, because so I think we, you, I think you we need got players like that. With don't you? that, especially at reserves, he was so funny. Yeah, he lifted he up to me and lifted up I think, the young lads as well. Yeah. He was that. He took it like it's the way he took football. Like yeah, it's a job, 
but it's a fun job. Yeah. And that's what he said. He's got a laugh. He had stories galore. Yeah. He was like, yeah. that was... Do I do... Uh, no, seriously, he brought a light down at Chelsea when he came. Brought a smile I down there. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't argue about that. Uh, very magnanimous indeed there. And quite right too, because as, as we were saying, Mickey's uh, contribution this season... I mean, he's at the club for a very short time, but his impact on it was huge. And and Mickey, of course, Kelvin, is one of those players that just gets supporters, doesn't he? And immediately gets a rapport. And, it, of yeah. course, he did that in his home debut against Sheffield Wednesday, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I mean, well, that was a great day, wasn't it? Because they were top at the start of the day and we were top at the end of it. You know, we, we actually knocked him off the perch that day. Yeah. Um, he'd made his debut, Mickey made his debut the week before at Derby um, and we won 2-1. And then that Sheffield Wednesday game was just set up for him, wasn't it? Because he was always a big game player and he put it in week after week. He wasn't, he didn't own it. He wasn't a decider. He only turned up for the big games, but he really was somebody you wanted on your side for those big, big occasions. Um and yeah, he, he put us 2-0 up and it was Joey who had told him where gate 13 were. <laughs> He'd marked his card on it. And um, when he scored his first goal, in fact, when he scored both his um, goals, he went straight over to gate 13 and they were leaping over onto the pitch and he, <laughs> him and Joey are hugging the, the, the fans. And it was a bit sort of um, notorious, wasn't it, gate 13? Very. Um, but yeah, that's the way to get started, isn't it? To, to, to get yourself that sort of cult hero status. And um, yeah, I mean, he was just... He was sensational for the rest of the season, wasn't he, really? I mean, well, it, he, Absolutely right, Kelvin. That is the way to describe him. Absolutely sensational. He was... It, the effort... And uh, what... I mean, the bit is... Yeah. I think Cannon says he's busy. He never stopped running. It was yeah. quite phenomenal. And he did that. He did... He's a very... In terms of, of, of the kind of player he, uh, he was, you look at modern players now with the fact they're always looking for space. They're always moving. They're always giving an option. And that was one of his his best his abilities. I'm getting quite emotional about him. I thought he, I thought he was wonderful. He was one of my favourite players ever. He never ever stopped, and he was so skillful. The the runs that he made and the vid. He's always looking up, looking for little chips, looking for little passes through. He was the, the, there's a great moment where I think he was tackled. I think it was the Oldham game. Was it when he was trying to tackle somebody and he he. He went from player to player and he actually fell over and ended up heading the ball on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Bates mentioned it in the programme the following week. Because yeah. he, said, he said how completely... I, well, I think yeah, whether he was... He, he wasn't great at compliments, was he, Bates? But I think he may have said, said something like, the, you know, the, the, the madness of our new signing, uh, of our yeah. recent signing. But he, I, I, I really can't tell you how much I absolutely loved Mickey Thomas, and I, a part of it because I tried to play midfield myself and could never emulate anything of that. But I, he was, he was um, for anybody you. I, I try and it's difficult, isn't it? There isn't enough footage of him, but he never ever stopped and was so skillful and just knitted everybody together with these little runs he made all the time. I, I'm, and I completely take my hat off to him as a footballer. Wonderful. It's, it's lovely. You could Im- Sorry, go on, Kel. Go on, Kel. You you could instantly see when he came that he was used to playing at a higher level. Yeah. You saw he was a top flight, top six player. Um, it was it was there. And the other thing with Mickey, he's small and he's slight, but he's hard as nails. Mm. And so our left side became Mickey Thomas and his best mate, Joey Jones, behind. And nobody, nobody wanted to take them on. <laughs> because if you got past Mickey, you were lucky, but you weren't getting past Joey as well. They were hard <laughs> as nails. Joey's going to get you. 
Oh, love I love it. Joey. Yeah, love Joey. I know, I know. You're great mates with them, and, and they are fantastic blokes. And we love Mickey. I mean, yeah, he's an absolute delightful bloke. Really lovely bloke, Kelvin. I did. A, I did. A, so I just. I did a, so a song a few years ago, which um, um, Chelsea Blue. And uh, uh, I got a, Hugh gave me Hugh Hastings gave me permission to use a few stills, and one of them is of Mickey. And I put it up on the internet, and he wrote me a really sweet note saying because I um, because I mentioned him in the song uh, how I wanted to be these players and I wanted to be Mickey Thomas, and he sent me a little note saying oh, nice. thank you so much, thank you so much for including he's me. A real, he's a real gent, mate. Oh, it was so lovely. Gent. So in fact, he suggested can we meet, and I said yes, of course we must, and we haven't, we haven't done it. So, we'll arrange it, Jonathan. Yeah. I'd love it. I'd love I mean, it. actually, very quickly, and, and kind of a bit off, off top, I want to bring Kelvin in, uh, Clayton in to talk about Mickey too. But before I do, because, um, you know, we know, because we, we kind of spoke to him around this time. We had him on the Love Sports Show a couple of times. But, of course, you know, Mickey was really unwell. He's doing a lot better now, isn't he, Kel? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, he was he was very scared, um, as, you, as you would be. Um, and I think it's kind of... Um, it's left its mark on him a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, when I speak to him now, he's still, you know, full of fun. He still has a laugh, but you can tell that it's going to take some getting over because it was a massive thing. And it's, I mean, he knows he's going to be affected for the rest of his life. He, he's never going to be able to eat properly. Um, he's always going to be um, prone to um, needing to put on weight, but struggling to do it. Um, he's never going to be as, as, as fit and healthy as, as he was. Um, because fitness was a massive thing yeah. for him, um, and and yeah, you you know when you speak to him that it, it will get what what he's been through always gets a mention in dispatches, so it's it's, it's got into his head. Um, but he still remains good fun, you know. He still manages to, to I don't know. Um, he's, he's still he's still Mickey. Oh, yeah, for, and uh, hopefully there's no reason why he shouldn't be with us for a lot more years yet because he's made a full recovery. That's good um, to hear. But him and Joey have both been through it. They yeah. both had a hard time in sort of like more recent years, but they're just such brilliant, brilliant people. Thank you, mate, for letting us know. Um, Clayton, you know, we can't uh, not allow you to have a word on Mickey because I know you're a great fan of his as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's not a huge amount more I can say to to what both Kelvin and um, Jonathan said. Um, it, it was obvious. I mean, I, I was at his debut away at Derby, um, and you could just tell that he was he was going to be a huge addition to what we had going. The, the Christmas period was 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 a wobble. It was up and down. We won some games, we lost some games. Um, so it was it was such a sensible purchase. But I, I always find it very interesting um, that when you sign a player who you absolutely detest when they play for the opposition, and the reason why you detest them and the reason why you boo them is because you're scared of them. And you basically, you look at Mickey Thomas, and for Mickey Thomas, you look at Mark Hughes. Hated Mark Hughes before we signed yeah. him. Love him now. Yeah. Dennis Wise. Hated Dennis Wise before we signed him. So that sort of player. But Mickey Thomas was brilliant. And and, you know, I know that you can skip on a little bit, but he, he scored those two goals, as Kelvin said, against Sheffield Wednesday. But his history against Sheffield Wednesday in those momentous cup games and was just, I mean, you know, walloping Andy Blair and, and scoring the winner in, in the 15th replay or whatever it was. The guy's a legend yeah. and always will be. And, and, it, and it is quite interesting because he, he had a limited period of time and, you know, another one of those players who basically just 
wasn't there that long, but touched us in such a huge way. Yeah. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It annoys like, me. I've got to Sorry, can I just say, say, it annoys me that he's a Man United ambassador. I know, I know he was there and they won, won, he won a cup, cup medal with them, but it, it, I'd like him to be more prominent in the Chelsea history. To, to be Sorry, fair, Tom, United Sorry. were great to him. United were great to him when he, when he got out of prison. Um, oh, really? They, okay. Yeah, I mean, um, they, you know, a, a lot of people probably considered him untouchable then, but they were really good to him. Um, and they still are. He still he, he works for them, um, you know, and, and they're his main sense. source of income. And he lives up there anyway, doesn't he? he lives up. Oh, there. He lives more in a ge geographical Bay. thing, isn't it? Well, uh, yeah. I, I mean, that helps as well. I think, but I think that they actually uh, went out of their way to look after him when he came out of prison. That's my understanding as an as an ex player. Um, but he loves Chelsea. Believe me, he he loves Chelsea. He never. Well, I tell you a story about him and Joey were doing um, a, a talking do up north. And it was to primarily Man United fans. And uh, somebody asked him the question, which was the best club you played for? And he said, in terms of the time I was there, the most fun I had playing for a club was Chelsea. He's always very careful how he words it. But he said, the most fun I had playing, the best time I had in my career was at Chelsea. Mm -hmm. And it all kicked off. There was a, there was a, like, a semi-riot in there because he said it. <laughs> <laughs> quality <laughs> I think just to wrap it up on, on Mickey I know what Canna said we've all been talking about the, the impact that he had on the pitch but Canna's was very quick to mention the impact he had in the dressing room you know he was such a great positive influence and was such a fun guy and I'm not surprised to hear that right um, we're in the home straight literally actually um, you know we, we go on this this unbeaten run but you know this is Chelsea you can never be sure of anything but I mean, actually, this comes through in your book, Kelvin, you know, quite profoundly, really, which is quite an amazing match um, against Cardiff away and never a particularly nice place to go to. 31st of March, 84. Uh, and uh, we find ourselves 3-0 down after after 25 minutes. What happens then? Um, we, we leave it at 3-0 until there's six minutes to go. Of course. And then... <laughs> As you do, and then we uh, we pull off the the great um, yeah the great comeback, wasn't it? Really uh, to get a free all draw. To, I mean that's literally nicking a free all draw, isn't it? But mm. uh, I wasn't there. I must admit I didn't go um, to that game because I was playing football that day myself. Um, but uh, it sounded like a the, big game to be the, at. The footage on on YouTube appears to have been taken with a um, a very dodgy um, VHS a Betamax camera. camera. Yeah. yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, because it, it keeps flickering into that that thing you accepted at the time where it just sort of dissolved and then the picture reappeared but um um what i what i was very aware of watching the footage was one of the reasons that cardiff were all over us was they actually played very similarly to the way that lots of people play nowadays which is they yeah. pressed enormously they pressed and pressed and pressed and so there were there was very and also they were quite tasty in their in the tackling that was going on there was some very bizarre two-footed tackles that nowadays everybody would have been off but um in those days they were it was just accepted and you got on and you carried on but it was and also the other lovely thing of watching is the constant watching um uh supporters being led along by the stands <laughs> to another part of the another part of the pitch where it's safer it was, that was a, that was another another constant thing at this period where you just accepted that oh there appeared to be 20 people or oh, 30 people being led by a policeman from a dangerous area 
to a to a supposedly a, a supposedly a, um, safe area. But then after a bit, somebody might invade that bit, so they'd all be led to another area. So that was the, <laughs> as I say, that was a constant. But um, well, I thought what happened in that game was also was that because they pressed so much Cardiff, because they were just on top of them all the time, they got completely knackered. And that we then did on this video, you actually see them all. Lots of lots of them when the um, not uh, not before the penalty. I think one of the goals. They're all they're all there with their with their hands on their knees because they have put so much effort into it. So it didn't surprise me in the end that we scored three because they just couldn't sustain it. But it was a very interesting seeing this way of playing. Uh, um, um, what are we? Thirty years ago, and uh, and it, and it's um, uh, it's more than that, isn't it? It's uh, it's. Um, 36 it's years ago. 36 years, yeah. 36 but it, years. it was it was intriguing to see that. But the amount of effort, you think they're not fit enough to play that way. They just weren't fit enough. No. But yeah, it was a it was oh, a so I think I mean Jonathan Yeah. I, I was there that day. Were you and right? it was there was a lot of trouble outside, which is no big surprise. Cardiff were always causing trouble and we weren't any angels. But it was one of those games where basically we just didn't turn up. We just we just weren't there, and I think there might be an element of truth of what you're saying. I mean, I can't remember exactly what sparked it, but we scored one, and then we scored another. And, and my abiding memory, well, I've got two abiding memories, is I can't remember. I think it was when we equalised. Eddie Eddie Neddy actually jumped on the um, on the the fencing behind. And, and sort of basically facing the fans, just sort of pulling himself backwards and forwards. <laughs> uh, the fact we'd e- equalised. And also the fact that that last six minutes, I came out of there a complete mess. I mean, obviously dehydrated because I've been drinking beforehand, but I had such a headache. It was just, it was mind-boggling. It was absolutely mind-boggling. An emotional mess rather than a physical Yeah, but, but the thing is that because that side did so many fantastic things that season. You weren't actually surprised yeah. that they managed to do that. I, I, so I, do, I do have a little... on a minute longer, they'd have scored another one, wouldn't they? They yeah, nearly did. The yeah. yeah, they did. They did, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean a few other things from that game. Yeah. Sorry, Jim. No, no, just go, go, go. Things. Just a note from that. Dale Jasper made his debut in that game uh, for the first team, which is a crazy game to be to be starting in. Um and there was a great bit in the in the footage where um, Joey Jones is taking a throw in, and somebody shouts from the terraces, "Jones, you Welsh bastard!" In Cardiff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm brilliant. Listen, oh, and Mickey was hungover. Oh, oh, of course. Uh, I mean, go. the question I really wanted to ask you, Kelvin, was you know, how pivotal was this? You know, is that is that the match? You all three of you really is that the match? You all start to believe, yeah, we're going up. Yeah, we might be champions this year. For me, it was the Palace game. Yeah, same. Yeah, which I which I was at uh, as well, Kelvin. You were there. I was there. Because yeah. uh, to me, that was uh, that, that was the that, that was the moment. I thought we're 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 now going to get there. There's always the doubt with Chelsea. There's always that, regardless. Yeah. But it was um, when when Pat scored, and I can remember that. When I can remember, where I think I was very very near you, Kelvin. Actually, um, uh, but I, I I remember the ball going in and just thinking. Yes, yes, this is it. We're we're going to get up there now. This is it. This is and and it was it, and I then vested my interest in it. I then thought, yes, I'm absolutely convinced we're going up because, yeah. as I say, I've been hurt so much over the last few years that it was difficult to uh, 
to be unbelievably so to, to so enthusiastic about it but absolutely i was there was a and they also the the joy in the stands leaving Sel, selhurst park was was absolutely tangible it's phenomenal phenomenal yeah. feeling. and i would relate that actually to um to beating uh, norwich in the season when we um uh when we won the champ won the premiership for the first time 2005 the norwich game was a game when i actually thought we're going to win the league this year mm. in the same way that I've felt. And the crowd felt the same thing. There's that kind of everybody is absolutely clued in and tuned into the fact that, yeah, this team is going places. Yes, we're getting up there. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Palace for me as well was was the one. I, I, exactly what Jonathan said. It was that was you just got that feeling then that we couldn't blow it. Clayton? I always think we can blow it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, because basically we, we, we beat Palace and we beat Shrewsbury at home and then we went to Portsmouth and we blew a two-goal lead that night. And mm. even though we were like points away from doing it, I still thought, oh, God, what are we going to do? Yeah, but I, I do remember that Palace game. It, it was a good one to win because it was tough. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Cardiff thing, I just... I think not only did the fans think we can't lose, but I think the players thought that as well afterwards. And maybe that's, that is the final push that they needed to get them over the line. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. You must have all realised, I mean, we mentioned this earlier in dispatches, didn't we? Um, because of the iconic photograph from Hugh Hastings I was talking about. But uh, on 28th of April, 84, we play Leeds at home, the you know, dirty Leeds. Uh, which, of course, include David Harvey and uh, Peter Lorimer and Eddie Gray as manager, just to rekindle, uh, you know, the old rivalries from 1970. But we absolutely, again, for anybody that was there, and I'm presuming, again, that all three of you were, but a phenomenal, yeah. iconic, yeah. a really iconic Chelsea match. Um, yeah. I'll start with you, Kelvin, and I'll go kind of round, round the houses with it. Memories of it? Oh, I mean, I always just describe it as one of the happiest days of my life. I think if you could probably bottle the way I felt leaving the ground that day, if I could bottle that, that's that's how I'd like to be for the rest of my life. But unfortunately, <laughs> it can't happen. But um, I mean, yeah, it was. I was in the benches, and I was specifically in the benches because I wanted to get on the pitch. Um, yeah, Kerry scored a cracking hatchet. Mickey Thomas um, opened the scoring yeah. as he had done at mm. Portsmouth in midweek. Again, big game player. So he scored that cracking goal and ran into the um, the fans in the benches and had his chain nicked, didn't he? he had his gold chain nicked off him. Yeah. Um, I think there was a scouser in in the, uh, <laughs> in the that day. Um, but yeah, the, Kerry scored um, a couple of cracking goals, really really good goals. I think one was a header that Pat did, did worked wonders to create for him. The other one was a chip over Harvey's head when he was pushed from one side of the the goal mouth to the other side, and then he just swivelled and chipped it over Harvey's head. Um, I think we were 3-0 up at half-time. Bates was imploring the fans to stay off the pitch because we'd been on after every goal sort of with thing. His, with his loud hailer. I remember That's that. Right. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he, liked that, we, he liked that, though. Oh, he liked that, though, I got the impression, yeah, any opportunity to go out and do a... and, and, and just be Ken. So yeah. that, you know, going out and, and telling people off with his loud hailer, saying, you know, hang on, an important moment. Don't want you mucking this up. You thought, yeah, yeah, because normally there'd just be an announcement. But no, Ken is there himself on the pitch with his loud hailer. He used, yeah, it, in board, it, used it in board meetings as well, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we went, I think we did them 
we got a fourth goal, which Kerry scored relatively <laughs> late in the second half, I think. Um, and I remember going on on the pitch after that goal. And um, no, no, it wasn't. It was Canneville's goal. Yeah, Canneville's goal was right at the end. Yeah. And I remember I was all over Colin Pates that day on the pitch. I was hugging him. I was like, you know, it was just like the first one, first player I could get to was getting it. So, so Colin Pates can live with the knowledge that I clambered all over him that day. Um, <laughs> and then obviously we were off the pitch for, we were back on the sidelines for a minute or so and then back on. And we were there for ages. It was a bit like the Middlesbrough Cup final um, when we just hung about for, in the ground for so long celebrating. Kelvin, is, is, is that the one? I, I've seen an iconic uh, picture of the ground absolutely flooded with Chelsea fans and, yeah, all, and all the players sitting, you know, on the balcony of the director's box. In the East Stand. Yeah, the East Stand. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. 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 Fantastic scenes. It was. It was wonderful. It was, it was, it was like, it was a sea of faces. You was looking down to see if you know anybody, but just looking at everybody's joy. It, oh, it was wonderful. I've looked at that picture so many times over the last 36 years to try and find myself. Um, and I can't find myself. But I'm <laughs> no. there somewhere. I believe you, mate. Clayton? <laughs> it was it was a phenomenal day. It really was. Um, you knew that, you, you sort of knew that day that we were going to go up and it was, it was fantastic. It was fantastic for several reasons because um, we all hated Leeds. We and still Leeds, do. And Leeds, we and absolutely Leeds. thumped them. Um, and it was particularly sweet because at the end, when they started dismantling the scoreboard, the old bill went up. They got kettled in. They got a beating from the old bill and they got, they, they basically weren't let out. So they had to watch us celebrate, yes, which yes, was fantastic. Yes, yes. And it was sweet revenge because we went up to Ellen Road that year um, and our minibus had all the windows done in and we had to go come all the way home without any windows on our minibus, which as you could imagine, in November time or whenever it was, was uh, was very unpleasant. So it was particularly sweet, but it was just wonderful. And again, it was a team playing fantastic football, scoring great goals. And I do remember that, as, as Kelvin said, Jonathan said, we were in the ground for absolutely ages afterwards, you know, just trying to get a glimpse of the players and all the rest of it. And then I remember going to the Black Bull afterwards and Ken Bates came into the Black Bull and basically said to us, uh, you know, you think you've seen it, you, you know, we've got so much more to come. And it was brilliant. It was such a high. It, it really did feel like a pivotal moment in the club's history. It, it, even then, uh, I remember sort of stopping Spackman. Everybody stopped. Spackman was driving out. He, they, nobody would let him go. He had to get out of the car and say hello to everybody. It was just wonderful. It was just absolutely brilliant. Can, can I just ask a question here? Where did Ken get the 500,000 then for the for these players at the beginning of the season. Behind the sofa, mate. <laughs> was You're it never a, a nefarious me. deal in some way, as only Ken could get up to, allegedly? I I'm, I'm, so, just yeah. in, I'm intrigued because um, uh, what were the debts? Was he managing the debts? Well, he, he must... he'd paid the debt off, hadn't he? That's why... why he right. But I know he was always surrounded, all his vice presidents were always people who I think chipped in. I think unlike the... The, uh, the previous um, hierarchy, the, the previous hierarchy, um, bizarrely. Um, um, hello? Oh, yes, Clayton. The, um, the previous... <laughs> I just turned the lights on. Would you like to break wind? Because that would be a similar noise. No? Okay. Um, but uh, but 
<laughs> we got every other noise, don't we? But, um, but no, it, pots and uh, kettles, uh, mate. Pots and no, kettles. Excuse me, I don't do that. But well, occasionally, um, uh, I'm like the Queen. I don't ever do that. I don't ever do that. Um, where were we? <laughs> Terence Trent Derby. <laughs> you were. You were You've trying to find out where we lost the plot. I'm going to um, move on. Well, Go on no, 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 no. Let me just finish. Just say that I, I'm, I'm intrigued because what he used to do, unlike the previous hierarchy, which was the Mears hierarchy, they they had Viscount Chelsea, who no money came in for the club at all, and you wonder whether they're they're actually actually they were they were almost happy to see the club fall apart. I don't know. I'm, I'm could be talking absolute rubbish, but Ken clearly got some people to contribute to to, uh, to buy these players uh, and was rewarded. Um, with uh, uh, because he actually had put faith in the manager, who uh, the, we must remember at the end of the season, end of the season before, people were calling for his head. Yeah. The very fact that Ken kept with him and he 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 bought these these five phenomenal purchases, which just changed everything. Um, uh, he is to be absolutely um, <clears throat> praised, lauded for this for the for what he did. But I'm just bemused as to yeah. who contributed the money, and uh, and he he surrounded himself. With these people he called vice presidents, and yeah. uh, which he kept going, who I think probably all of them, in order to become a vice president, get access to the director's box, um, chipped in Dosh. And I think that may be where he got the money from. Well, there you go. Um, amazing day, uh, beating Dirty Leeds 5 0, which really sealed us going up. But the champion, going up as champions, was still very much for, up for grabs because we're actually um, in second position at the time. Sheffield Wednesday are, are in pole position. Um, a very quick mention, because you can't mention this season. It's like another one, isn't it? So many matches. You can't mention this season without mentioning this match, um, which is an away match to Man City on a Friday evening, because it was being. It's the first time you had live televised league matches this season, I believe. And uh, we, we go up to Man City, Kelvin. This is a, a notable match because so many Chelsea fans went up there, isn't it? Yeah, it was 8,000 up there, um, or well, at least 8,000 anyway. Um, and it was an amazing turnout because it's a Friday night. We'd already been promoted. When when this game was selected for TV, both teams were in the running. Um, by the time it came along, we were promoted and City couldn't get promotion, mm. which is why we spent all night singing, we're going up, you're not. Yep. Um, <laughs> but it was, yeah, there was about 8,000 Chelsea up there. Um, it was just an amazing away trip. It was another fantastic trip. Um we played brilliantly. Mickey's performance was unbelievable that night. I mean, literally, he seemed to be in two places at once all through the game. Um, at one point, um, was it Derek Parlane that was playing up front for them? Yeah. And, or No, it might be Graham Baker, actually, who had this chance. Oh, he, he had more or less an open goal. Um, and it was just as he took his shot, out of nowhere, Mickey jumps in and deflects it over the bar with his old boy. And it was just like everywhere. He was everywhere that night. Um, and then we scored those two goals quite close to each other in the uh, in the second half. Beat them. Um, slightly lively journey trying to get back to Manchester Piccadilly because they got a little bit brave on the way back, the City fans. Um, but it was just just an incredible night and a really, really good performance. And of course, you know, obviously we beat Barnsley 3-1 in the final home match of the season. And then it's uh, up to Grimsby Town. Can I just make a point, just a lovely moment that you mentioned, Kelvin, in your book about um, the match ball delivered by the Red Arrows parachutist, because we were then spent ages working out how on earth he managed to be so precision, the precision necessary to come down in the centre circle with the match ball. 
And we kept thinking, what would happen if he just completely missed and landed on the stand or uh, that happened, landed, on the, landed on the goal or what? But he didn't. He actually or, landed. Or Gatling Gun Hillston. That would have been did. painful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very painful. Yes, but he didn't. But there was a game, wasn't there? There was a game, not at Chelsea, but there was a game where in the recent past where they've parachuted in with a ball and landed on the top of a stand. Was I it? can't remember. I think it was, a, it was a sky, wasn't it? A Monday night game or something. I yeah. Heard. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Mm, interesting. All right. Last match of the season. Again, another legendary match from this legendary season. Um, you know, I, my, my, I, you know my, my knowledge of this comes predominantly from Chell Tell, who I know was there. I've got some great pictures of Chell Tell with long hair, would you believe, uh, <laughs> being, being ushered uh, around the ground. And, of course, this is very pertinent, isn't it, Kelvin? Because, you know, again... So many Chelsea fans went up there. In fact, actually, it, it was it was dangerous. There were so many there, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was one of those, wasn't it? That you wonder how Hillsborough didn't happen before yeah, it happened yeah. at Hillsborough. Um, yeah, it was it was just crazily over overcrowded. Um, but fortunately, the police on that day were um, aware that it wasn't hooliganism and that it was a health and safety mm. issue. So they were supportive of getting people um, out onto the perimeter of the pitch and um, and what have you. Um, but yeah, crazy that that many people were allowed in. Yeah, but I mean, we all needed to be there. To that, see it. that happens so often. I found it very difficult yeah. going away just for that reason. I just found it. I found it dangerous. I really did. I was scared by it. The the uh, the pushing, the constant um, pushing you down to the front where the gates, where the huge fences were because you had no exit. Occasionally they wouldn't bother to open. There was always a, a gate that was supposedly there for you to get out of if there was a problem. But occasionally mm. they were locked and nobody yeah. did have a key. And I actually found a couple of occasions being pushed down to the front by, by fans and, and being, being crushed. And so I, I, it was, I found it very tricky to go to some of these games. I would deliberately try and get a seat if I could just to avoid any of this, you know. It was actually that, very, that, that very Grimsby good. game. That that's one of the one of the few occasions where I have seriously been scared. I was based. I remember when we were leaving that I wasn't. My feet weren't actually touching the ground as yeah. I was walking or trying to walk out. And it was only because I sort of you know I'm a larger chap that I basically you know that you survive if anybody would have fallen over i mean god knows what would have happened i mean it was obviously a fantastic day and everybody was really excited and really pumped and as kelvin said there wasn't any trouble there's no trouble at all um but it was dangerous it was so dangerous i mean it, I, I sort of if you actually could see or, or be back in that situation again be horrified. You really would. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, that you know, the the pictures I've got of Tell up there, it's actually all very jovial. He's got a big grin on his face. He's actually standing next to a police. And I'll try and stick it on on somewhere for you all to see. It. He, he won't mind, largely because you'd never recognise him today from the picture. But uh, um, it's quite an amazing. I mean, you know, for the record, obviously, you know, we uh, we won the game. Uh, you know, one nil. Uh, Kerry scores in the forty uh, first minute. Uh, Pat misses a penalty. Um, but we we that that's it. We're we, we're sealed as champions. Uh, John Johnny Bumpster, when I spoke to him on the Chelsea special, had a few words to say about the uh, the match at Grimsby. 
Yeah, it was the first season that I'd known success. You know, it all. Mm. Even if Man had gone up, it would. You know, it was success going through yeah. the season. And playing well, the, consistently, yeah, yeah. winning yeah. games. And there were some decent teams in, in Division Two in those days. Weren't yeah. I mean, Leeds we talked about. I mean, it was great the way we won it as well because they took the trophy up to uh, Grimsby. Well, they took it up to Hillsborough. Hills- oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. United, uh, yeah. Wednesday were favourites. Yeah. 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 And I think they got beat, and then we had to beat. Uh, Grimsby. It was a tense game, really, but not as tense as it should have been because I just always fancied we'd, we'd do it. You know? Yeah, thirteen thousand was the attendance. Sorry to butt in, John. Less than we thought, but that's well, probably the official one. Well, it's, not, it's not a big ground <laughs> well, anyway. There's more, there's you know, more locked outside as well. There's thousands. I, I would have thought. Yeah, I'd have thought that. Would, yeah. Yeah, we couldn't hold that many. So big celebrations afterwards. Going yeah. back up. Yeah. Johnny Neal's blue and white army. Yeah. All yeah. going well. <laughs> I was going to throw him in the bath, but he wasn't well. So. Well, no. <laughs> Johnny no. Ollins sort of like said, done. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. We get promoted as champions. Um, 88 points, uh, which was a phenomenal achievement at the time. Fewest number of defeats for us, only four uh, at that time. Um, the interesting thing that I found, another stat, um, quite possibly from your book, Kelvin, maybe from somebody else's book, I don't know. Tenth best attendance in the country that season at 21,000, which says an awful lot for a club that was in the second division. Um, I would imagine helped by the fact that we played such great football, Kelvin. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that, that would definitely be the case. I, it'd be interesting to know what the crowds were like, other than the Derby game at the start of the season, what the home crowds, how they compared. Say like the Cambridge game that was in September, how that crowd compared to maybe the Shrewsbury game when we were going for promotion at, at the back end of uh, April because um, I'm, I'm sure it gathered pace um, as, as as we did start playing this good football and as we became more successful. I think another statistic um, even more impressive maybe is the away support because um, it's statistically um, the, the police keep these records and um, statistically we had the third biggest away following that season behind Liverpool and Man United. Now, when you know, when you bear in mind that both Liverpool and Man United have supporters wherever they're playing um, and most of Chelsea's support is travelling support, that was incredible. Our away support back then, and not just for this particular season, but, but as we're talking about this season and the players would tell you this themselves, our away support was out of this world. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. It was phenomenal, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, here's, here's the question, really. Uh, I'm going to leave this question to the last, actually, uh, which is, you know, is it one of the best seasons we've had? I'll, I'll, I'll leave that for us to finish off on. I think, you know, what stands out for me, you know, we talked about it at the beginning, didn't we? You know, the players that he brought in, the balance that he got, in terms of that, you know, keeping some proper homegrown players like Colin Pates in, making him captain. Uh, you know, the the key thing is is that nearly everybody made significant contributions to that season, didn't they, Clayton? But I mean, who 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 really stood out for you? That's that's such a tough question. That's why because, I asked you. Uh, <laughs> because everybody contributed. I mean, if you if you're looking for sort of standouts, you have to go Kerry, you have to go Pat, um, Pates and McLaughlin, um, and then Mickey Thomas. You know, but but then I'm leaving out Eddie Eddie Neddy, who basically brought in a stability in goal which we hadn't had for a long long time. Um, 
and the manager the manager was just was just brilliant absolutely brilliant we loved him we absolutely loved him um to have actually turned round what there was the season before was just phenomenal I, I, I sort of you know even to this day and you think about everything that we've done in the last 20 years you have to say that he he was one of our best managers I agree totally, for, totally agree you know for, for where we were and for what he did so yeah there, there were so many but but you know it was just such an enjoyable season and and it was lovely it yeah. really was you can't you can't underestimate how good it was I mean for, for the record JK you know Kerry I, I talk about stability in 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 scores I mean Kerry played 48 games scores 34 goals 34 goals yeah, um phenomenal. you know but you've got Eddie Eddie Neddy playing 48 times Colin Pate's playing 48 uh, Frank if you're listening listen to this goalkeeper 48 two central defenders 48 and 47 so basically you've got you've got the same defense playing every week um, but you know Pat Nevin, forty-two appearances. Um, uh, Joey Jones, thirty-nine. You know, I mean, what interested me? John Hollins played thirty-five times for us that season. Speedy, thirty-five times. Spackers, forty-six. So there's a real, you know, genesis of a side there. For the record, Pat Nevin gets Player of the Season, uh, Jonathan, which surprises me given that Kerry scores thirty-four goals, but warranted. I think it's because he was a, 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 a such a crowd pleaser with his dribbling. Everybody always likes a a jinky a jinky winger, uh, um, Chidge, as, as we know. Um, just to say that um, uh, Mickey Droy didn't play at all, did he? And he was nope. uh, captain. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I he was a he was a great favourite. Was uh, was 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 we packed. So uh, I wasn't surprised by that. And you knew that, that that Kerry would have his day for in terms of um, of being the the crowd's uh, best player. Uh, mm. I, I just thought it was um, it, it was a phenomenal side. And as you say, the the huge kudos to the manager who um, clearly knew that they both had an Ian McNeil. They, as I said before, just to reiterate, they really had an idea of who they wanted early on, what how they would play what positions would work for them and they stuck to it and bringing Thomas in was absolutely genius. Mm. So, uh, um, it was, um, it was absolutely joyous. So Kelvin, you know, who stood out for you and, and just, you know, how, how, how much of this is down to John Neal? Um, I think it's, it's hard to see past if you, if you're singling people out, it's hard to see past, um, Kerry and Pat as the two who who stood out, um, you know, they were a revelation and we didn't, you know, they were new, they were new signs. We didn't know what to expect. Certainly didn't know what to expect from Pat. So I think those two, I think Pat probably did deserve the um, player of the year, but Kerry was destined to never win that trophy. Which is amazing. Didn't he win yeah. it one year? I thought he won it no, one year. Never won it at Chelsea. No. Amazing. Um, but but it's, he's still loved and he was loved every season he was there. Um, but he, yeah, he never won that. Um, I mean, I couldn't disagree with anything that anybody said here. I, I think Mickey was as good, if not better, than we we could have hoped. Um, but everybody, I, I'd like to put a word in really for those who chipped in, but don't get mentioned so often. So um, the likes of Tony McAndrew, mm. who 
was never fit. But when he did come in, um, in fact, John Hollins had a good start to the season. John Hollins was captain. I know, I think Patesy got a bit confused, but John Hollins was captain at the start of the season. He was dropped around Christmas time just, or just after Christmas. Tony McAndrew took over the captaincy, but then he was injured again. And then Patesy took the captaincy. And all these guys, they don't get a great deal of credit. And John Hollins won't get much credit from me as a manager, but as a player, no, they all, loved him as they a player. Did it. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Bumstead was great. Spackman was great. Um, and the likes of Canaville and Rhodes Brown and that, they they did their bit while they were playing. Chris Hutchins, you know. Um, as for John Neal, you look at the players who have played for him for Chelsea. Um, and the only ones who've got a bad word to say about him are the ones who he sold, who never got to taste the glories that came from 83, 84 onwards. Um, so anyone he sold at the end of 82, 83, or one player who left early in 83, 84, they bitch about him. When John Neal passed away, four ex-Chelsea players carried his coffin. Wow. You know, this this man is special. And I've spoken to every single one of these players that we're talking about, apart from Chris Hutchins, because I can't get hold of him. Um, <laughs> and um, nobody has a bad word to say about him. Yeah. Nobody. It's he's, he's a fantastic manager. Fantastic. And he did it with a lot more class than some more recent yeah. successful managers we've had. Yeah, if only... If only... He could have carried on a bit longer than he did. But that's for another show coming soon to you. Um, right, just to wrap this, what has been, I have to say, the the more fun, most fun I've had in two hours that I can remember for ages. I mean, not least because of the company. It's lovely to be with you guys. But to, to talk about a season that, you know, we're talking about it as if it was a couple of weeks ago. And I think that in itself says a lot about the season, doesn't it, Clayton? But, you know, is it one of your favourite seasons? Was it one of Chelsea's best seasons? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that it just... Um, I went to more games that year um, than most seasons. Um, as as Kelvin was saying, our away support that year was just phenomenal. Everywhere we went, we packed out. Um, the football we played was extraordinary. And I think, as I said earlier on, you have to put it in context to what we had been watching for the previous five, six years. Um, so on top of actually being brilliant, the, the enjoyment we were getting because of what we'd seen before just couldn't be underestimated. Uh, without doubt, um, I mean, obviously everything that's happened in the last 20 years and the things that we've won, but, but this season in, in terms of pure enjoyment, um, yeah, without a doubt. If you got one one memory that stands out, what would it be? That's so difficult. I think it would have to be the Derby game, the first one. Yeah, yeah, because it was just it it was from nowhere. Yeah, and then it it followed that that was the perfect start to what was a perfect season. Yeah. Brilliant, J.K. Uh, one of the best seasons for you, one of your favourite seasons, and what was what would be your, you know, the memory you take um, away from it? Favourite season since the uh, since the breakup of since the great la- stuff. since last week. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, since the since the breakup of the um, uh, of the side that won the European yeah. Cup and the Cup yeah. and the FA yeah. Cup, and yeah. uh, without any shadow of a doubt. But my, my, the best, the moment I remember more than anything is is uh, a repacked goal at Palace. Because it, it it just it, oh, it was just 
it, there was relief. There was um, there was um, yeah, authentication. Authenticity it was and that's the wrong word. It was it authenticated the the fact that I thought that they, this was a great team. It it just it, it and as I say the I'll go go back on that. But the joy in the stands was absolutely palpable. It was just absolutely brilliant and and um, and the 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 reaction to the goal will, will stay with me forever that's goal absolutely mm, brilliant uh, and uh, last word to, to Kelvin of course we shouldn't really have it any other way but uh, one of your favorite seasons one of our best seasons and what's what's the mem- one memory you take away from it Kel my favorite season it will never be beaten <laughs> and I'll take that to the grave with me <laughs> nine months um Memory would probably have to be the Leeds game. Um, it's hard to pick a specific memory out of that game, but the, the Leeds game, as I say, I, I always describe it as one of the happiest days of my life because it was. Um, so I would have to, to pick that. It was, it was a lovely day. I was there with good people. Um, I was on the pitch. I was hugging Colin Pates. And, uh, <laughs> it was, and, and, and we stuffed dirty Leeds 5-0 to get promotion. I mean, it just doesn't get much better than that, does it? Kelvin, when, when you put it like that, Absolutely not, and what a what a fantastic way way to round this up. Uh, I have to say, you you three have just been brilliant tonight. As I said a minute ago, I, I I haven't had this much fun for ages, and and I'm green with envy that I wasn't at any of those games at all because I was too busy uh, pretending to do A levels at the time in the deepest darkest depths of Hampshire. But uh, more fool me, I say. But uh, Kelvin, first of all, to you, you've been tremendous, mate. Um, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do this show without you because we certainly wouldn't have had your book t- to read. But it's even better to have you in here in person. So thank you so much, mate. No, thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Well, indeed. Well, in fact, actually, that's a good point. Uh, before I say cheerio and thank you to Clayton and Kelvin uh, and and J.K. because we're not on next week, and we're not on next week for a very good reason. Kelvin's going on holiday, and we cannot Ooh. possibly do. 84-85 without the double act that is Kelvin Barker and Mark Worrell. So bear with us for a week while Kelvin enjoys a nice holiday, a well-deserved holiday, and then we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time to talk about 84-85 when uh, we're back in Division 1. Uh, but so before that, Clayton, uh, likewise to you, it's been such a pleasure talking about these games with you. It's been really enjoyable. Thank you so much. Oh, listen, mate, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. I've absolutely loved it. And it is such a privilege to sort of be on with Kelvin, mm. um, who wrote so brilliantly about it. Um, and it's just uh, it's just been so enjoyable just yeah. remembering all those wonderful games. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing them with us all. It's been a real treat for me. Uh, and JK, last but by no means least, I don't think I've ever... I, I mean, I've been doing the Chelsea Fancast with you now for so many years, I can't even remember how many they are. It's a bit like the, the band The Stranglers, you know, uh, you know, Hugh Cornwall might have been Martin Levy, but uh, they actually the bloke who replaced him has been in there far longer, and therefore I love him more. <laughs> but um, I don't think I've ever seen you so happy on a Chelsea fan cast ever. Um, no, seriously, I other, happy, other happiness has been um, um, 2005 and 2012, and I wasn't. Um, I wasn't uh, doing the fan cast then, was I? So. Mate, you've, you've got a warm glow of nostalgia and happiness wrapped around you at the moment. It's an absolute picture. It's been a joy to do the show with you, as it always is, mate. Uh, thank, thank you, as you. ever. And, uh, wonderful to have for, to share it yeah. with um, with yourself and, and uh, Kelvin and Clayton. Yeah, Brilliant. absolutely right. Well, OK, I, I will see you uh, on Monday and uh, these two boys very soon as well, hopefully. Thank you, everybody else, for listening. And I hope you've got even... 
if, even if you've got half as much fun listening to this as we've had doing it, then I think you're on to a winner. We will see you very soon. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.